نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi taala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. And now, the true light, featuring Sayyid Al Mama Isa Al Hadi Al Mahdi. We have a question with is a sexual transmitted disease. And it is visited upon the black, the white, or particularly who is AIDS here for? It's a world. I think it's when blacks start thinking that it's not for them, they have a serious problem. When blacks start thinking because they're black, that they're exempt from the sin, the sin of it comes from Leviticus. If you go to Leviticus chapter 20, in the 31st verse, it tells you where the sin comes in. It reads, eight. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination. They shall be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Deuteronomy 28, 17, Judges 19, 22. What are we talking about here? When we say that a man should not lie with mankind, we're saying one man should not lay up with another man as if he's laying up with a woman. Homosexuality is a sin punishable by death, according to the scriptures. And the sin, the Lord says, will be in the blood. Now, how is AIDS transmitted mostly, not by sexual contact any longer, moreover, by blood transfusion. And what sin did it come from? This sin goes all the way back to when Canon looked upon a mechanic of his father, goes to the same chapter, chapter 18 of Leviticus. And the Lord, or the sustainer, said unto Musa, alayhi salatu wa salam, Moses, saying, Speak unto Bena Israel, speak to the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am Adonai Elohim, or Yahweh Elohim. I am the Lord thy creator. All right? 
Now what does he say? After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwell, shall ye not do. Don't do the thing that you learned while you was in Egypt, Israel. Don't act where those people did not have any laws on male and female homosexuals. Don't forget that Caesar and Mount Anthony and them, homosexuals from Rome, homosexuals from Greece, invaded and mixed into the culture. And in fact, when you look at the average Egyptian today, when you look at light-skinned or pale Egyptians, you're not looking at the original Eswanee, you're not looking at the original Nubians, you're looking at Greek invasion. When you look at most of the men reciting the Quran today from Shepherdam, who have mixed their genes, they have mixed with Greek. And Greeks are no homosexual society, historically. Don't pick up the things or the habits that you learned while you were in Egypt and go ahead. And after the doings of the land of Canaan. And don't pick up the things that you learned when you lived with those Canaanites who also indulge in all forms of bestiality, having sex with animals in caves and such. Then it goes on. Whether I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinance. Don't keep their ways. Don't walk in their ways. Go ahead. You shall do my judgment and keep my ordinance. You shall do what I pass off as law, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and you shall walk in my way, sunnati, to walk therein. I am the Lord, thy creator. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord, thy creator. Seal, he makes a statement. Then he goes on to tell you what not to do. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to what? To uncover their nakedness. Uh-huh. I am the Lord thy creator. If you go back to Genesis 9, go back to Genesis 9, instead of going to 25, go before 25. Let's say Genesis 9, 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. Now, it's not more have male kin, and was it not forbidden according to Leviticus 18 for him to look upon the nakedness of his father to uncover him? Going through the after that, or before it, in fact, so he uncovered it. It's still in Genesis. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And what did they do? And Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and, and covered the nakedness of their Notice that they came in and they covered no body. Why did they do that? Why didn't they just make fun of it or make a joke out of it or entertain wicked thoughts? This was a part of the law, the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the book of Leviticus, because it's set in position after the book of Genesis, that is not how it was revealed. So now go on and see what he says. None of ye shall approach to any that is near sin to him who uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. I am the creator of it all. He makes a sin for men to look at naked bodies of other men. That's the use of the near kin for one man to look at another man's body. For Ham to have been his first father naked, he shall back in not looking and did what his other brothers did, covered up his nakedness. Go on and see what it says. The nakedness of thy father, or the nakedness of thy mother, shalt thou not uncover. 
she is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. You see? This is the same quote that if we continue on into it, will tell you that it is a sin. This is 18. Go right to 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself. In Egypt, men and men slept together. And in Canaan, they slept with animals, with beasts, bestiality. So here in Leviticus, it's giving you the format that they gave you in the beginning of Leviticus chapter 18, where they told them, and after the doings of the land of Egypt, which is like 22, for man not to lie with another man as if a woman. Then it says, the doings of the land of Canaan. And then watch what the next one says. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there too. It is confusing. So it tells you that when the Amorites or the Jebusites, Rizal Tabatananites, was in the mountain, they laid with beasts. Like we said, bestiality, the Bible says it. And when in Egypt, the people of ancient Egypt who got influenced by the Greeks performing all forms of homosexuality. Then he goes on to tell you that this is a sin. And as we read on, what does it say? Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. See that? And who are the nations that he cast out before you? The sons of Canaan, whom he took out of the land of Canaan. Right? But he right. says in Genesis 24, he says, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand upon thy thigh. Thou in hukku, which is a symbol of humbleness. And then what did he say? And I will make thee swear by the sustainer, the creator of the heaven, and the creator of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. You hear that? He was telling him not to marry amongst the Canaanites, but to marry amongst his own family. Not to mix thy seed with the Canaanites. Go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Again, he is telling the family of Abraham not to marry into Canaan. So we have brought these plagues and diseases, gonorrhea, herpes, and now the spread of AIDS because we are violating the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his statutes and his standards. We're indulging in all forms of homosexuality. We're indulging in all forms of bestiality, fornication, abomination, and we're bringing the wrath down upon ourselves. Don't let a homosexual tell you that nowhere in the scripture has it been declared that it's a sin to be homosexual. I just read to you in the book of Leviticus where it says it is a sin for a man to lie with a man. This is a sin. This is where age is certain. It's not just sexually transmitted. Transmitted to the blood like Leviticus just said. You understand? Your world is at a point where it's about to destroy itself and all you have to think about is the next record you're going to buy. The next party you're going to go to. You may learn, get in here and learn that Arabic language and learn how to pray and to transform yourself from mortal to immortal and stop jiving because you don't have the time you think you have. You're going to stop wasting time. 
the spirits are descending. There's demons walking the earth with you every day. They just call themselves punk rockers and they're nothing but demons incarnate. They don't put on that makeup. That's how they look. I'm serious. They didn't put the thoughts in white kids' heads so they can start their hair up in the end, all kind of weird things where you won't know they're real demons from kids emulating them. It's a serious thing out there. They spread diseases, I'm telling y'all, that there is no cure for. Diseases of death. Men in that room know what I'm talking about. Especially you men who can't control yourself. It sees every woman as somebody you should lay up with. They got diseases out there that will kill you dead. You know the sad thing about it? Every woman you meet, you don't know who she laid up with together. If this ain't the same woman you've been known for seven years, you're taking tests. Because she don't know if the guy she was laying up with was a homosexual six years ago and became a man because he saw the right movie. You don't know. And this is what you're left out there to marry. And that goes for the women also. You don't know which one of those guys was a, a homosexual six years ago and now an age starts, he straightens up. He was a closet princess six years ago. Now all of a sudden he's macho man. You don't know if he got AIDS living inside his system. Do you? Do you know? Only people you can count on are the people that you've been laying up with for six years. And how old would that make the average one of you brothers? How old? If you have the same woman for six years, the average one of y'all would be at least in his late 20s, correct? Correct. You should be at least. Anybody under that, you better be careful. And they ain't even trying to find a cure for it. Don't fool yourself. Because they created it. AIDS didn't fall out the sky. AIDS was created. AIDS is a conspiracy. During warfare, they got loose. You're wasting time. I don't know what to say behind that. No, um, my, my question uh, relates to uh, chronology in the Bible. And uh, I'd just uh, like you to clarify some of the, um, uh, the dates regarding BC, AC, ACD, BCE, and uh, things of that nature. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, where, when they quote a date and they, and they say BC, they say they'll, they'll write uh, 1056 or 1056. And as the numbers descend, it's my understanding is getting closer to the what they call the AD era. Now, just for uh, for clarification, really, I mean, how how do we decipher? How do I decipher these uh, uh, these dates and, and, and get a clear understanding of what's happening here with this BC, All right, what AD, they, ACD, and so on? What the Romans and the Greeks did, who were ruling the world at the time, right? They did not believe in Christ, as they call it. Yet they used his birth date as the date one. See the contradiction? They yes. didn't believe it. When they say A.D. Iodominus, yes. right, they mean after the death of Jesus. When they say B.C., they mean before Jesus was born. When they say B.C.E., they say before the Christ is era. The Christ era means before the book of Daniel and Isaiah wrote about a Messiah coming. That's B.C.E. Okay. A.H. is when you get past Jesus up until 570 years after him, when Muhammad was born, okay? And then in the year 622, he established a new calendar, which was the AH calendar, based on him migrating from Mecca to Medina. And they call that the AH calendar. That's a lunar calendar. So you end up with like three different calendars. You have the Judaic calendar from Adam all the way down to Isaiah and Daniel and them. When a new period came in, they instituted a new kind of calendar. It went down to Jesus. When Jesus was there, the Romans took and made a new calendar and went back up to Isaiah and them about the crisis era. So you end up with, again, 
Adam's calendar, which would be from the birth of the prophet Adam all the way down to now, that stays the same. Is yes. that 1,988? So 1,988 would be 1,988 years from Jesus, who became the year one, which was 4,000 years from Adam. I follow you. Okay? Yeah. So that puts us 5,000. 5, I'm sorry. Short. We're very close to 6,000 years. Yeah, I so if we came straight down from Adam, it would be 6,000. Where we base it around the Roman calendar, start from Jesus, it only becomes 1,988. They did all this with it hopes to confuse us. Uh, one other thing uh, re regarding uh, the AD. It says uh, on the back of this Bible here, it has a, a listing, a chronology, and uh, it has Jesus born in AD 7. I'm looking for it here as I'm speaking. And at the same time, at the, uh, at the, uh, it has a BC 4, I think it says. Let me get it right here. Right. The reason why, right, Jesus now, was born, you're right, in 7 AD. Yes. And the reason why they say BCE 4 is because certain churches believe Jesus was born in the year 4 because they didn't do the calculation of the death of Herod. Had they did the calculation from the death of Herod and when Jesus had returned back from Egypt when Herod died, right. they'd be able to calculate that he was born in the year 7. But when they just came along, they first said he was born in the year two. Then they said, well, they proved it could have been two by the eclipse because they said they saw the star, and that was, you know, an eclipse, but it must have been four when they had an eclipse, and it comes down to be 7 A.D. He was born seven years after he was dead, according to them. Yeah, right. That's, 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 that's what I found confusing. Yeah, yeah. well, it meant to confuse you because here's what they do. Yeah. They say Jesus was born one, I watch this close. He was born one what? B.C., one before he was born? or one A.D., one after he was dead. They didn't know. So they got an area running between 4 B.C. and 7 A.D. They got almost 12 years caught up in there. They don't even know because they did not go to Egypt, find out in Egypt when Jesus arrived there with his mother and father, how long they stayed in Egypt, and then they came back to register at the ledgers in Jerusalem because it was time for the preparation of Passover. They had people, the census, make a ledger. So they would have got the date that he had got back in. They could have timed that by the date that he left as a baby, and they would have knew how old he was. They would have knew what year he was born, which comes out to be seven. They have another listing here, A A U C. Then they have the word uh, uh, the year 750. Uh, it says the following table made and making matters clear. I don't I don't see how they can write that. Which means they created their own table to clear things up. The following table is made. They start with like them saying, okay, according to our Greek version of it. This is what we got. Well, in, in just a minute, please. Uh, but they have here this A, U, C as uh, Anos, Urbis, Condinus, or something of that matter. It's, it goes to Latin on you yes. and say that this is before Jesus' conception. That's what they mean. Okay. But then they're arguing about the nine months that Mary was pregnant. They, they get into things like the, the date of conception or the date of birth, the day when he was actually delivered or the day that he was conceived. They don't know. They don't know, like I said, because they won't take the simple message. They won't trace his life. And that's because they don't want to find out. They really don't want to find out when Jesus was born because it contradicts their doctrine. So then the true calendar would be Adam's calendar. Is that that would be the true calendar calculated from Adam straight down. So uh, that would put us in the year 5,988. That's right. Okay, thank you. Um, is it sort of like a man's goal to become perfect? as Adam was in the beginning? Or is that is, that's not possible? That depends on what you mean by perfect. 
You know, so it does tell us in the Quran that we are supposed to aspire to become salihin. That we should work to perfect ourselves and excel people in al-haq, which is the reality, and al-sabr, and to be patient. It tells us to work for salihati, to make ourselves perfect beings. Right? But that is only so we can prepare ourselves for the transition from human nature back into an angelic state. Because this is what Adam was originally, an angel. This is what Jesus said he was originally. He said, I came down from heaven. And that's where I'm going back to. He had descended down, and I'm going up. Jesus was an extraterrestrial. Christians are just trying to make him a god of earth, and he would tell them all the time, my spirit came from another dimension. You can call it what you want. He said, those are the earthly are earthly, and those are the spiritual and spiritual. Those from up there, from up there, and those from down there, from down here. Down here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us through the guidance of his prophet, mainly the seal, Muhammad, to try to be to perfect the way we live and Jesus said right before Muhammad that the first stage of that is to learn to love one another as I love myself we as people got to learn to love each other the way we love ourselves and then we can start to perfect the way we live but our goal or I should say your goal is to become angelic beings again by the time you reach the next realm you should have transformed yourself from a mortal to an angel. Luke 20, 36 will tell you that. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. He's talking about at that resurrection, Jesus talked about, and remember, he said he is the resurrection. Correct? And even in Islam, we're taught that Father Rasulullah Muhammad, after Rasulullah Muhammad comes, then the Messiah Jesus will come at the end of the world to save the world. That's what it says in Islam, it teaches that. Muslims try to hide that. And it tells you when that resurrection stage comes, man is going to have a transformation period. He'll never die again. He'll be transformed from mortality into immortality. You will become angels again. My whole doctrine is like the doctrine of the Essenes. The Essenes study the nature of the angels. I am trying to teach you all to take yourself from this stage of human nature to the next stage, the angelic being, so you can make that transition. This is what it's called for. If you don't, those that are mortal will go down with the world. Those that are spiritual will make the transition from this state to the next. The hardest thing is to try to get y'all across the bridge of mortality over into immortality because you love the things of this world so much. And the things that I'm trying to give y'all are not of this world. They're from the Father. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And I am now trying to put that Father that's in me inside you so that you'll be in the Father. And that we all will be one in the Father. And then you will enter back into the domain of heaven. Without that, you are earthborn, And you will be cast into a lake of fire and sulfur with the devil. Because you love him. And you love his image. And you bow to the things that he offers you as opposed to the things that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us. And the thing that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us is salvation through love. And we cannot be individuals and love. Love is an outflowing force. And it has to interlock between beings. Everybody in that room has got to learn to love each other as much as they love themselves. you got to be able to look in your brother's eyes when you talk to them so that you have a sincere expression. you got to learn to feel people from inside out. you got to learn to care again. And that will be the first stages of suppressing your mortality. It is your mortality, your mortal being, your physical being, that renders you such a carnivorous, self-centered, egotistical creature. 
but it's the Almighty who put his breath in us. In the beginning, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he flew into man of his spirit, or he said the word became flesh, he put the spirit into man, that was angelic energy that is dormant in you. All I've come to do is to turn that, that light back on and let that light become the life in man so that when I see you, I see the prophets. And when I see the prophets in you, I see the angels. And when I see the angels and the prophets in you, I see the heavenly father manifested in you. And that will only be out of your love because it's out of his love for us. It's out of his love for the world that he keeps sending men into the world to try to teach you. It's only because he loves you that he sends his sons down to earth that they could suffer and some even die for you so that you could be saved. That's called love. You have got to learn to sacrifice. That's what it tells you. When har, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Inna Asina Kal Kautar, Fasalli Rabbika When Har, Inna Shani Akal Huil Abatar, Inna Asina Kal Kautar. Surely, Asina, we have given you Al Kautar. Your cup is running over, abundant. Fasalli Rabbika When Har. So worship is the Rabbika for the sustainer of the boundless universe. When her and sacrifice. In the Athenatal Kotar, surely, Athena, we have given you El Kotar. Your cup is running over, abundant, but suddenly, Lirapika went her. So worship is Lirapika for the sustainer of the boundless universe when her and sacrifice in the shiny avatar. And you know what? All those evil things will be avatar, cut away from you. They will not be able to touch you. So it's only by you people learning the true art of love and concern and consideration and appreciation for each other. When you touch a person's hand, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you look at a person's eyes, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you read this fellowship, you're on the stage of transforming from mortality to immortality. As long as you're an individual living in your cubby hole in some part of the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, or Queens, feeding your faith and caring about yours and yours alone, when you see a bum on the street, you're supposed to give to that bum because that bum is really you. And remember, we have sent angels to you many times in many forms. And a lot of times, an angel walks up to you in the form of a bum to see how compassionate you are in heart. And you say, get away from me. All you're going to do is buy some whiskey. Who are you to make that decision that he's going to buy some alcohol with it? The Almighty sends angels to you to test your compassion. You understand? Assalamu alaikum. Um, Mami, what was the fifth veil that Michael the Archangel was under? They're speaking about the plague that would come at the end of the world. Each veil holds one of the vials of the seven major plagues, all right? Mikhail is called the fifth because Jesus, as it was like Jesus, let me run it down. Adam, one, right? Noah, two. Abraham, three. Ishmael, or Isaac, doesn't make a difference, four. Moses, five. Jesus, six. Muhammad, seven. Each one of those are the seven major prophets. Each one of them represents one of the seven major seals of the book of Revelation because each one of them brought a revelation to the world. The reason why they liken Michael to five is because in the book of Daniel, Michael is a warring angel that defends all Israel. You follow that? 
Can you repeat that once again? You have seven major prophets from Adam to Muhammad. Uh-huh. And you know their name. Yeah. Moses is the fifth. Yeah. In the book of Daniel, whenever they speak about the angel Michael, he's always associated with the children of Israel as a defending, warring angel, the head of the archangel. You understand? That's the fifth veil. Then after that, Jesus came. Michael did not come with Jesus. Gabriel did. And then after Jesus came, Michael was sent to signify the teachings through John. The father of Jesus. So everybody would think that Michael was Jesus when he came, but he wasn't. He said, Jesus said, I'm sending my angel to you. He said, and Michael to represent. Because that's, they were expecting Jesus to be a warring angel to smash Rome and put Israel on top. And he didn't do that. Okay? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Shukran. Well, I have a question. In terms of um, a person's soul, how do you strengthen your soul? The thing about the soul and being strengthened is a very strange kind of question. Believe me, it's a good one, though. Because in the Bible, in Genesis, we got to acknowledge that the soul we have came from the Heavenly Father. We really can't strengthen the Heavenly Father. We can increase the amount of His presence in our body by decreasing the amount of things that we worship and desire. Because he said, I blew into man of my spirit, and man became a living soul. You see what happened? Mm-hmm. So he took a physical body and blew his spirit in it, and he developed his emotional body, which he interpreted as soul. Then what we did, once we became a being that had body and soul, we started taking in impressions from a wicked being that stimulated our desire center, and made us desire more things of this world than the world to come. And that's why Jesus kept saying, my things are not of this world. Start looking for the next world. So the way to strengthen the present is not by strengthening it, it's by increasing it. By increasing the divine in you, the good that you do. And every time one of us gets close together, there's twice the presence of the Mm -hmm. Most High. And that's how. Mm -hmm. We are strength. And the more of us that get together, the more powerful we are. Like I said, we tore down the walls of Jericho just out of our unity. To see which men are developing the discipline necessary to regain the right to be in the presence of the Most High. So when they say it's a spiritual growth, the spiritual growth is coming from the discipline. Being able to have access to food but don't eat it. To have access to a loving wife and don't have sex. Mm-hmm. To be thirsty and don't drink water. You know why? Because these are the gifts of the Father. All the other stuff they add in was the devil when they say, and Muslims don't smoke in Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Muslims don't smoke at all. Yeah. You they don't smoke in Ramadan. Then they have another stupid witness who they say, and don't use foul language in Ramadan. Muslims ain't never supposed to use foul language. How are they going to use that? So the devil always gets in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Ramadan is... It is a focal point on the physical part of man for man to show that he loves and will obey the creator up and above his own desire. That is a point of Ramadan. Yes. Um, my other question is, in terms of the, the spiritual discipline, how do you go about it? Where do you start? We've had time, I, I remember um, another question that I asked about a year ago in terms of my aura. Um, I've never seen it as strong as I saw it at that one point, and I still haven't learned how to control it. Okay. In a hospital, I usually think that you have to see them. In a hospital, if I walked up to you and you were bleeding, mm-hmm. now you're bleeding, 
And I walk up to you in a suit and a tie, a black suit, white shirt and tie, and I say, uh, give me a needle and thread. I want to sew this lady up here. What would you say? You say, wait a minute, are you a doctor? Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, I'm a doctor. Now, but if a white guy, and, I, and this ain't white or black, this is just any person, if he walked up to you in a white suit with a doctor's symbol on it and said, give me a needle and thread, I want to sew this lady up, you wouldn't question. Step one there is the mask that the actor wears should be coming face. In order for you to get the full spiritual benefits, you must get the physical thing organized. And I say that because a lot of people like to say, the Almighty only has what's in your heart. And I say, oh, yes. Yeah. But if he didn't care about what's on your outward appearance and what you take in, he wouldn't have put him in books. He would have put it in your head. He put the revelation and the scriptures in physical things, and he named it two things. He called it kitab, which means to write, and he called it ikra or Quran, which means to read. Which one must we do first? We must write what we're going to read. So therefore, there's certain things that we need to write. For instance, in your right hand, you're holding a pen. Mm-hmm. And you need something to write upon. Mm-hmm. These two things come from the physical world. Mm-hmm. Once we get what you're thinking from the spiritual world transformed onto paper, then you're utilizing the spiritual. But where did you start from? You started from the physical. You understand? Yeah. That's how he expects us to be. He expects me and you to get ourselves together physically. To prepare ourselves. That's why he told Moses, take off them shoes. This is holy ground. You see what I'm saying? In other words, to get the full benefit of what you're supposed to do, you're going to have to obey the law. You mm-hmm. can't evade the law. And in the law, there's a dress code, a living code. Jesus said that. Not one jot, nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. Mm-hmm. But we don't want the law. We want to go straight to the spiritual aspect without the law. He told me we can't do it that way. We've got to do it the way it's been prescribed. No alteration. So the problem you're having with getting further and further spiritually is you got all the tools except total submission. Mm-hmm. Total submission to the will of Allah. You want to somewhat submit or work your way into it, and he doesn't bother. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to bother with us. Mm-hmm. He put it in a book because he wanted you to get the physical part first, and then read it, and understand what he's trying to tell us to do. And if you got this desire for the spiritual, that means that there's a spirit knocking on the door trying to get you into it. Mm-hmm. That's your interest in it. But you got to meet him more than halfway. Because he met me and you more than halfway. Aren't you healthy? Mm-hmm. And that's the gift nowadays with all the people that are not healthy. So he cared a heck of a lot about you as an individual. Just it's all working limbs, all working your eyes, ears, and everything is working. He gave you already 75%. He's asking for 25 And we can't wrestle with him with it. We've got to submit you know what I'm saying? But a lot of us believe that we could do a lot more from the outside than the end. I got things I want to finish in the world first. I got my family I got to take care of first. I got to finish my education first. Who are we talking to when we say this? You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the book. We're talking to that Heavenly Father. We're saying to him, Heavenly Father, I understand what you said I should do in the scriptures, but I got things that I got to finish doing on earth first. And then I'll be ready to totally submit. Then can I come to heaven? That's what we're really doing. We're fathering with him. And we're not in a position to bother no more. We were in a position in the garden. That's why he confronted us and said to Cain, uh, where's our brother? He didn't have to. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? What did he tell them, though? That he knows the day that you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. But when she bit the apple, what should have happened? 
But did he? He was compassionate. Jonah, he said, Jonah, go to the Babylonians, Nineveh, Shemar, and teach them. Jonah said, I don't want to. Jonah got in a boat and tried to hide from the Heavenly Father. The people on the boat said, Jonah, I hope you can swim because we're throwing you out of here, Junior. Throw him in the water and a whale spit him out where he did not want to go. Is that compassion? The Lord, the Messiah, Jesus, said, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. In other words, he's saying, oh, believe me, my spirit is really willing, Father. My flesh is not, I can't deal with these nails. You Help me. And he delivered him from it. Is he not compassionate? He has all his prophecies at times, all his destinies, interfered with the flow of nature for man. Because ain't no whale can harbor no person in their body. The acids in their system would kill the person. But it said he prepared a whale for Jonah. A catchword is in there. He prepared this whale. This is a special fish because the almighty all did the very molecule structure of nature to make something happen specially. He destroyed the whole world, but he kept the root of man because he did it with water so that all of the fish, which are the mothers and fathers of mammal, would still survive. With all that he does, there is compassion in what he does for us. And then we try to bargain with him. I'm going to become Muslim soon. I'm going to take my time. And he's got a few more questions I want to ask. Because he ain't asking me no questions. Because all I'm doing is quoting the scriptures. He's just saying, Lord, I, I'm with you. So far, things look good. That guy, uh, that guy, that new, that new one, the Imam Isa, he's doing good. I like the way he does it. I like this one. He did a good job. Now, if you can, if you can solve these last four questions a lot, I'll be in. <laughs> this is what y'all are thinking. But you don't realize you're thinking like that. You don't realize it. You're saying, you know, I got my mother's sick. You understand? I got to take care. Like, he don't understand your mother's sick. You know, like people say, my mother, you know, she needs help. Like, he don't understand your mother needs help. And they don't realize when they think, when we're, when, I shouldn't say they, when we're thinking like that, we're blaspheming. Because we're underestimating the power of the Most High just by saying, but I love my wife. I can't leave her. Like, he don't know that. I want my wife to convert to Islam. And I think that if I stay out in the street with her two more weeks, or maybe four, I might be able to convert her. Like, he don't know that. So in one respect, we're saying, Almighty, all-knowing Father, who knows everything that's in our heart, and knows the secrets of our aspirations, right? It's you I obey, but I got one more thing to do. I know you'll understand when I do it, and that's make sure I get my college degree. And that's what we do. Now, here's the men's biggest con for you sisters sitting in there. I don't want to come to the mosque with nothing. I want to make sure when I come, I got something, because I want to offer something, because I don't want to come in and take away. Brother, stop lying. You use it as an excuse to stay in the street. And you know you're using it as an excuse to stay in the street because there's nothing you can bring we don't really have. The only thing, I think, the only thing you can bring that we don't have is those drunken donuts. That means you. Everything else we already have. And all you can do is help us get stronger in what we're doing. So stop buying time and making excuses because there's going to be a thing when you're going to be questioning because you're not evading me. You know, I'm not going in. It's not my community. I tell you the truth. I was, I was sitting out there in the classroom, so I'd have to make the decision. And I believe if I was sitting, I'd probably be making the same excuses. I ain't going in there yet. I got some things I want to do. First, I'm going to get it together in about six years. In fact, some brothers say, when the world going to end? They say, about how many years? 2030? Okay, I'll be in 2029. And 350 days. 
You can't play that game because it ain't real. And I'm telling you, that bargaining with Allah, you're going to be sorry on the judgment day. Because you you're making a pact with him like the devil did. The devil said, you fight me, watch me to the day of judgment. Making an excuse for judgment day. And Allah said, you got it. So every time you say that, you know who you sound like? When you say, I'm going to come in, just watch me, Allah, I got to get it together. You sound just like Iblis when he said, in the God. He told Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, watch me until the day of judgment. Because I'm going to prove to you that man is not worthy of your presence. And we're, we're making it look that way. Because we're going along with the devil. We know we like the things the devil produces. Tell the truth, don't we? Mm -hmm. All of us call ourselves righteous Muslims. But they take that color television out your house, you sit on the floor and cry like a baby. You took my, took my video. You took my tape recorder. If you can't turn the BLS, you'd have a, a nervous breakdown. I mean, not everybody. This don't apply to everybody. But this does apply to somebody. We got some things that the devil has offered us that has the best of our souls. He has us. And the only way we're going to break it is to break it. We got to take that chance. You got to make that move. And if you don't want to come here, go somewhere else. But do something. Y'all organize a community. But just don't be scattered out like you are. Too easy to pick you off. And stop bargaining with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You really don't have the time. Nor do we have the credentials to make a deal with the heavenly father. I'm going to get it together. I'm going as soon as I finish this. I'll be in there as soon as I get... We don't have those kind of credentials no more. He was so compassionate and loving. You know what I, I say? I've been saying this for years. The white man fed y'all pork, right? And he fed you the worst part of pork. The gut, the ears, the tail, the foot. Not feet, the foot. The intestines, the bowels. He even brushed your teeth with the big fur. You know what I'm saying? He, and you wash your body with his hoof. Because they use, make some soap out of pig hoof. While we were doing this to ourselves, the white man made a joke out of black people and watermelons. Made us look like it was a joke for black people to eat watermelons, only to find out that watermelons purify the stomach, keep the system flushed. And if the heavenly father didn't turn us into the rigid prior that the white person laughed at when they saw us eating watermelons, we probably would have died. The filth that he would feed us in slavery, we would have never made it this far. But the Almighty loved us so much that while he was feeding your pork, the Almighty was making us eat watermelon. That's why we're here today and we're able to survive all the stuff this man does to us. Because we have an everlasting covenant. Because Allah says about Ishmael, the name Ishmael means I will hear. Ishmael comes from Sama'at. It means to hear or to listen. I will listen. Sami Allah liman hamadat. Rabbana walak alhamd. Sami Allah means Allah does listen to those who praise or are grateful to him. And for our sustainer is the praise. We say that in our prayer. And we are Ismail. He does hear us. Stop bargaining with him. Um, the last question that I have is just in terms of the end times and what you had said before that um, Jesus said he'd never leave us comfortless. How far does that go? It goes as far as us obeying his law. When we step out of his law, we are comfortless. People say, that means all of us. No, no, no. It only means people that are in the law. You understand? Because he gave us a perimeter to work with. You know, and it says, stay within that perimeter and you ain't got nothing to worry about. And we think we can step out the perimeter and still get his blessing. And it's just not true. 
Here's a guy, you know the thing people in the hospital, ex-drug addict, or wine they left in the hospital, they didn't know, God. I just got hit by this train. I know I drink, and I know I smoke, and I know I curse, and I know I've been killing people, and I know I've been selling drugs, and I know I've been stealing everything, and I've raped four or five people, and I've beat up a couple of cats, and, you know, I kicked this cat down the street, but, oh, God, please forgive me. And they act like they should be forgiven. And then, when they don't get what they want, they're mad at God. If they get what they want, if he says, okay, what did Jesus say when he healed somebody? Now go and sin no more. They come out the hospital, go right back into their sin. They bargain. Please, God, what do we do? We run to him when we need him. And we as human beings, put myself with you, I want you to feel this. We as human beings get mad when someone calls up and you say, my sister don't never call me unless she wants something. How many friends you got that they contact you when they need? And you say, I ain't even seen that nigga. Now he wants something. Now he's calling. Uh, is that not true? You know, they call you three or four days before Christmas to ensure a gift. They call you on the phone and say, you know, uh, how you doing? How's the kids? My birthday's Tuesday. And you get mad at that. But you don't expect the Heavenly Father to be mad at you because you do the same thing. You get in the hospital and you say, oh, God, I don't want to die. I won't use drugs anymore, I promise. And you only call him when you need him. What about now while you're healthy? When you don't have no major problems? When you're not laying on a hospital bed? Why aren't you praising him now? No, you wait until you are in some type of stress. Then you call the Holy Spirit. Well, you should be calling the Holy Spirit every day to be a beacon of God's light to you. Go ahead. That's really the white man thinking his brain. He believes he's going to prolong all this long time? Or he, he doesn't have to. All he has to do is have more of y'all following him than Allah when the world is. And that's it. That's his whole point to prove to Allah that y'all are not worthy because y'all will not come into God. You don't believe you're going to get destroyed. Oh, no. He knows the world is going to end. But he thinks that as long as he has more souls in his ledger than we have in our ledger, that he'll win. And based on what, like the Quran says, Bismillahir Rahman Rahim, Wal Asr, Inna Linsana Lati Husr, Illa Lavina Amanu Amanu Salihat, Watawasaw Bil Haqq. What the world so bestowed? By that quote in the Quran, it says, Well, after, by the time when man's spirit is separated from his body, surely all human beings are losing. Based on the time of the end of the world, man is in a state of loss. Except for those who are who work, who are salihat. To try to perfect themselves, scripture says. What the world happen. And they spend their time trying to bring people to the reality and the facts of it. What the world And they have patience and endurance in doing it. People come in, can't stay because things don't go their way, or they're stolen, they don't want to perfect themselves. And the Quran told us, Bismillahir Rahman or Rahim. Well Surely all 
Sadaqallah It told us about that. Told us that man is going to be, when it comes time to judgment day, man is going to be running last. He's going to be losing the race because he's caught up in the things of dunya, the things of this world, and he doesn't even look forward to a spiritual life. He's caught up in taking care of himself in the physical world, and he's not even thinking about the God of the spiritual world. Um, my question is, if, if our purpose is to get back to the state where the Creator wants us, why are some brothers and sisters with the um, not being able to see the truth? Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it. Because the brother did a real good job. So the devil is the one who put the vet the um, Yeah, the devil, the devil has done a good job of making them what to be what he is. But he's a failure. Because every one of his societies always looks rich and always fails. Rome, Greece, Mesopotamia, and this society here is beginning to fall apart. Imperial is falling apart now. Look what the move. So our people are afraid as men to stand up on our own and build our own nation. We're just afraid that we've been, made, been living under the white man so long that we'll be so comfortable under his arm. We're afraid to stand up on our own and go for it. And we can do it. It's just the white man that put the, the veil on, on the on the eyes so they won't see or hear. No, the Allah, Khatama Allah, Allah polluted him. Allah will steal anybody's heart who speaks disbelief. If you want to find a reason not to be a Muslim, Allah will help you not be a Muslim. I see. Man. If you want a Muslim reason to say, I'm going to find fault for you, mommy, he'll help you find fault. I'm going to find fault for the community, he'll help you find fault. If you say, I want to find righteousness in the person, he'll help you find righteousness. You look at the person and say, I'm going to find good in that person. He'll help you find good. You look at the person and say, I'm going to find wrong. He'll help you find wrong. You, you can do it. Shukran. You have been listening to The True Light, sponsored by the original Tales of Kedar, located at 717 Bushwick Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You are also invited to attend the questions and answers class every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Hall of Knowledge at 548 Park Street in Brooklyn, New York. And now, more profound than ever before, the Pampas of Peace, authored by the master teacher and spiritual guide, Sayyid Al-Imam Isa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi, covering such topics as who's who on the planet Earth, the resurrection, who was noble Drew Ali, who was Jesus' father, who was Marcus Garvey, St. Paul, disciple or deceiver, and much, much more. Also, to aid in your spiritual growth, we have a beautifully crafted hand-woven prayer rug designed by Esayyid Imam Isa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. We also have a large assortment of prayer beads, Nubian and Sufi oils and incense. The original tense of Kidar would like for you to write or call us and let us know how the true life has changed your life. Remember, above all things, truth is truth. This is from the 56th of the Holy Quran, the 8th And we also say a complete for us our life. And forgive us, for surely you have the power over all things.
The light is a, is, is a shadow is created by an object in light. So therefore, when the sun was created, if the sun is a mass, and the mass has a shadow, then he said, let there be light, and he decided that the sun was light, and that evening and morning, there was a shadow out. So neither one of them are pure darkness, because the sun itself had to be created outside of darkness. If there was no light, there'd be no shadow. So you had darkness before you had the shadow. So therefore, their reference to dark as evil is in actuality talking about the shadow, not the state of darkness that God had to be in when God said, let there be light. All intelligence, all thinking has its birth or origin in darkness, meaning there is no light inside your head at this moment. So when you see anything, you look outward apparently and reflect the image inward. So in order to see, you don't see this way, you see this way. And therefore you're sending light inward to darkness. And when it gets inside the head, you follow through the eyes, through the optic nerve, then it triggers with the brain. Therefore the intelligent point or the point of decision on deciding what I'm looking at, how tall it is, how bright it is, how fast it is, how thin it is, how uh, red or green or blue is done in darkness. And it takes the intelligence to make that decision. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take the ability to cut on the light to use the intelligence. The intelligence factor is done in the darkness. Thus God, in actuality, being the source of all intelligence, dwells in darkness. And God said, let there be light. And when light came, there had to be a shadow. And that shadow is what they're calling the darkness of evil. And that's why if you look in the Quran, the same word they use for darkness, Zulam, is the same word they use for shadow, Zulam. And the Arabic of the Quran is from the ancient Semitic, which goes back to the ancient Semitic languages where Hebrew is the same word. So their definition of shadow and darkness was the same. Somewhere along the line, the preacher and the teacher got confused. And they just made all darkness bad. And then said darkness is associated with black, so black us is bad. But black, not being a color of a state, existed before darkness. You see, because darkness is telling you it has a state, it has a degree of itself. Darkness. If it's darkness, then it's less than darkness. And a shadow is determined by how far the sun is from the object that it's reflecting from. You with me so far? So when you reach down inside the human being, right, in the mind, you find light or darkness. And in that darkness, you find reason, decision, and thought. So when God said, let there be light, and thus God created a shadow, the counterpart to light, the shadow of the darkness, the irreality yet existed, the unpurposed yet existed, the untangible yet existed, the illusion of the Most High. So illusion translated as the Most High, and illusion to the Most High would be its equal untangible. The shadow, the shadow is equal to you in all shape, size, and intensity, but not in density. That's why in the black book it says illusion and illusion. 
That's really from the same thing. It's illusion is it alluding to the shadow of the material thing. And we've been taught to ignore how important a shadow is. But all of us will start in the shade when it's cold, when it's too hot. And while we seek the shade, the shadow seems to become very important to us. But on a cloudy day, right before picnic, when we're wishing for the sun, all of a sudden we no longer like the shade. We don't want the clouds to hinder our picnic. Now, throw away clouds, so we've been taught to cast away the dark because it hinders what I can do in the light. Never realizing that anything I do in the light is coming from the intellect. And that's why I refer to that, refer to that as the intellect and not the outlet. Because those decisions are made in the head, not outside the head. The vision and what I see is determined from my insight, not my outsight. You follow? Okay? I have one other question. On the same page, um, well, it states that the square, according to the ancient ones, is different than the one that... Uh, what we perceive as a square. Okay. I don't know how. I'll tell you what. Because when we see a square, we're looking at four 90 degree angles. Right? Is that a square? What is the difference between a square and a cube, geometrically speaking? A cube has density. But it's still a square. And from each angle you look at it, you see a square from any direction. This is what makes it a cube. But when we look at the square or the square, all we're looking at is a frame undefined. It has to, from that point, make a decision as to what it's going to become. But the cube has completed its journey into what it is. It becomes the cube. Or in Arabic, it becomes a you follow that? Does the square plus, now listen, does the square geometrically add up to the cube? Square gives me four 90 degree angles. But the cube gives me how many? The four 90 degree angles on a square because the square doesn't have its density. It hasn't become the cube in order to create the next four points. So square gives you 490 degrees on the cube, 720. 720. If I had a blackboard in front of me, I would draw a square and I'd get my 360 degrees. And then I would draw a cube. And you see that the point from which I join a line, the cube transforms itself either inward or outward. Except taking me from the physical into the next realm. I don't want to just say spiritual. It's, it's pulling me from the third dimension, the cube, to the fourth dimension, the square. When actuality, the cube has an infinite. So it, that's why I say it's an optical illusion to look at a square when you make a box. You can't tell the central point whether it's coming at you 
are going in. And so looking at the square turn with a point facing you, as opposed to the cube turn with a face. I hope I'm not losing you. If I could draw it, it should be easier. So I'm trying to draw this in my mind, and it could sound real confusing. So in actuality, the 720 degrees that the cube produces gives you 360 degrees of the physical plane and 360 degrees of the spiritual plane. I don't want to use spiritual, I don't want to use spiritual. Right? Where uh, a square, a geometric symbol, a geometry, is only giving me 360 degrees of the, of the physical plane. I'm seeing it before it becomes what it is destined. And it only has one destination. Because all the points are closed. And that is to become a cube. It's a reference to our character. And what we are as a one-dimensional being with a soul. When I look at this gentleman, I see his physical, and I see him 360 degrees. I see what it takes to be a mortal. But I'm also looking at a spiritual being. It will only come out when he is finished becoming what he was set out to be. So in Freemason, they have what they call the ashes or the uncut stone, and they carve it until they get a perfect square. And that, then they continue to carve until they manifest a perfect cube. And those stages are the growth of the shaping of our character. Because while we are squaring off our actions and deeds in the physical, it must have a reaction on the spiritual in order for me to get myself together physically, I have to get myself together mentally. I cannot pretend I'm not using drugs no more. I have to stop using drugs. I can't pretend I'm not getting drunk no more. I have to stop so that square becomes that cube is a reference to a perfect passion. A stone cut without the sound of a hammer nor the sweat of God. That means you cut the stone because you, as a being, are, is, is an uncut ashlar, a rough stone. It must be cut. And then you become a perfect being. And most people say you can't ever become perfect. And I say, wrong. If you're in the image and after the likeness of God, you have a destiny to become perfect. And what is telling you you can't become perfect is dangerous. Because that person is questioning the God quality in you and the gift that God gave you to be in his or her image after his or her likeness. You do have a destiny to square yourself off. There's, more, there's, there's symbolism in the black book. It has yet to be elaborated on. Not just all one. Over of one. Okay? Okay. <laughs> As the mysteries of Egypt intrigued you, the secrets of the pyramids and the scientists that built them. Well, now you can have the secrets. Now you can enter into ancient Egyptian world and learn who and what Who built the pyramids? Why? Medicine. How? Secret symbols revealed to you. 
And as you say, I'm going to take people to a another level, and then at that point I say, and in the metaphysical or esoteric doctrine, you've been taught about the seven seats of or chakra. Well, because the people who were teaching that science only had seven, you follow? They don't know about the nine. Now I'm taking you from the seven up to the next, you have to learn about the next two chakras. Not just the one in the crown, like like I said, we go to the ancient Egyptian word, you look in the dictionary, and the the word crown, you get the Egyptian word near, which you also know is been translated as pyramid or central fire. Right? Like right there. They they considered this the sixth point, the third eye. Then they went to the crown with their 12 occult nerves, which represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. And in the center of there, they put the seven feet, the crown chakra. When they get back to Egypt at the temple of Hathor, Hathor, and they look on the ceiling towards the sky, and they see the calendar of their daughter, they notice that in the center of it is Tawaret. And Tawaret is a female deity. The Moors call her Zodiacus, the center of the sign of the Zodiac. They also call her Nimsi. They call her many different names. We see her standing in the center as the mother of mammals that are also reptilians. You know what I'm saying? So we have this, we have this degree of study. It takes us her at one, up the body, three, on out the body, five, and stay on the universe, the seven. And we keep on traveling. Right? The Zodiac represents our woman, the mother of all creation, the science of the universe, and the waffle, natural, is a feminine word in the ancient language, where, where our science, sound, right, and reason is applied to the woman. So those are key signatures to identify. And when you get the handbook that's coming soon, right? You, when you say the handbook, I may walk up to you and then say, well, hold on. And then you say, I'm not. When you get nine, then you're born again. No Christian can be born again until he's nine. And see, Christ, as they call him, Christos or Krishna, said, you must be born again. And when he asked, you mean I must go back into the womb? He said, no, you must be born of spirit and truth. You you must be saved. You You must receive grace and joy. He couldn't understand. Nicodemus couldn't understand where Jesus was coming from. Well, Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek because Jesus was an Essene. And the only Egyptian order he could find in all Judea were the Essenes up in Jordan. So he went there following John the Baptist. But he was after the order of Melchizedek, and the Essene order was the Egyptian order, and that's the only place those degrees would be conferred. You follow that? So he made that I am the way, the truth and the life. He was telling them, come behind me, walk this path to this temple, and I'm going to give you this special guidance. I'm going to give you this special truth, some information that I got. It caused me problems in the temple. Because when I came back from Egypt, I had to confront the rabbis and the priests, and I got in a great argument with them about the truths of Torah. Because I have to explain to them 
that the Torah or the Torah or the Tanakh, that holy book, is nothing but Tawaret. The female in the sense of the zodiac, Torah, Tawaret. And they wasn't ready to accept the Egyptian mystery. Because they had already set up a doctrine. So he had to put aside what he learned in the ancient Egyptian order while he studied ancient Egypt and submerged himself amongst the Essenes. And at that point, he was stepping down in degrees. So you'll come around again, I promise you, and you'll read it, and you'll laugh. And then I'll walk you sometime if you're now in your table and say, Father, how old are you? And you'll laugh when you answer me, when you ask how simple it is, it's plain and handy. That's what you have to do. All right? But three masons we get, one, three, five, you know, seven. How can they call it master mason they consider themselves seven? And that seven is what? The highest point on the chocolate or the climbing of the Kundalini, the ladder of the Jacob, they get the top. If you see a Freemasonry chart, you see they have all the greens going up. And the top they have a triangle with an eye in the triangle, and that's where you see the top, the highest so called degree. And they'll call that 33 degrees, but the manifestation will be Kunsu. But when they get to that so-called degree, they give you a, a phoenix bird looking in two different directions. And that's the symbol of Kunsu, the healer of ancient And that eye is there, is looking down with That's eye of rocks, the sun. They find out that the light that they've been following is really the light of the, he said, I'm the light of the, I'm the light of the world. In the Holy Quran, it says, it says, Allah is the Lord Samawati wal Ard. Lord of Samawati wal Ard. That means the light of the heaven, sky, and the earth. You become the light of the sky and the earth, you are still the light of the world because you're referring to the sun. You can't immediately adjust that and say, the light of the heaven and the earth means my mind or my intellect, because I just explained to you that intellect is conceived in darkness, inside the head where there is no light. The thoughts come in there, and then they come back out. You follow? So when he says, I am the light of the heavens and earth, the sun. So the Freemason, after all this traveling toward the light, finds out the light he was traveling toward was nothing more than the sun. And all the knowledge he got was nothing more than knowledge with inside this earth, sciences, art, fine art, mathematics, geometry. And he's like, puzzled. And a hand reaches down from heaven and pulls him up out the mucky mire and he wants to step through the mass and become God. When he becomes a God, they refer to him as a supreme grand master in the lodge as opposed to simply a master mason or a grand master who can open and close the lodge but not, does not bear the title supreme grand master. He sits at the eastern point of the lodge and above him is the eye of God, which is in actuality Ray, the sun. He now is amongst the rank of the Egyptian deity and inherits the responsibility of conveying the message to people on earth if they are worthy and capable of keeping the secret. And what is the secret? The secret is hidden in the name. 
the sacred name. What is the sacred name? What's, what name in Egypt is a ray and deals with a secret? Huh? Amun. Amun means the hidden one, the one who keeps the secret. And so the Freemason who walks through Jah, Bab, and On, he accepts the Bible, the Quran, and the Enumayish, and finally gets the Book of Dead, he's passed to the three, what they call monotheistic religions, and each one of them, at the end of their ritual, or when the light of their ritual starts to descend or end, says, Amen, Amun, or Humain. And they all end with the same name of the same deity. And that's why in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, he literally says, Amun, the faithful, the faithful, the true, the faithful, is a definite article to make sure that you don't think you're talking about Jesus. Well,
The Sunnis can't stand me for one reason, one reason only, because I'm going to tell the truth whether they like me or not. The truth is the truth. No, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. I'm trying to tell the truth. We do not have an unfallible copy of the Quran. Stop lying to the world. It's a lie. We have men's opinions. Rasulullah Muhammad did not live to see the Quran collected and put his sign of approval on it. They did it after he was gone. And he was the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent with this message. It was him. Not Usman, not Ali, not Asim, none of the men. It was Rasulullah Muhammad who we sent. And he did not live when, to see when all of it was finally put together in one text. He did not sit down, you understand what I'm trying to say, and proofread it himself and say, yes, this is what the angel Jibrael, salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, gave to me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is it. He didn't do that. So what you hold in your hand, you don't know if it's true. You just keep on telling the world it's true, and now you're convinced yourself that it's true, and so you want to go on and live that lie. You don't know if it's true. And we won't know until Yamat Akhri. Regardless of what they have written in it. Okay? When we say, This scripture has no doubt in it. We're talking about it as it came to Rasulullah before man got their hands on it. You follow? Because Jesus makes the same statement about the Bible. One jot nor one tittle shall be removed from the law until the end. But we know for sure that Paul and them added things and changed things. Of course, the Quran teaches us. The Quran says there is a group from amongst the Jews. Not all of them. A certain group of them who altered words from their places. They're talking about the Pharisees who are responsible for creating the Talmud and making new laws other than the laws that Moses sent down. They're not talking about all of Ben Israel. A group from amongst them altered the words of the scripture. And they wrote a new book. And that book is called The Talmud for Money. And they stole it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Um, in Revelation uh, chapter 11, verse 8, I noticed uh, John <clears throat> in this book wrote, and, uh, and I'll read it, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, it's quite obvious to me from the way you have explained it, that he was not, that Jesus was not crucified. But what I would like to know is what Lord is he speaking of, and what does Simple. what city does Sodom and Egypt represent? Simple. I, I explain this almost every week. A, we know this is not Jesus because one, Jesus was not crucified in Sodom. Right. And Jesus was not crucified in Egypt. Correct. But. So now, according to Christianity, I'm saying, we know he wasn't crucified in any place, according to the Quran, sure. but according to Christianity, he wasn't crucified in Egypt or Sodom. Now, what city is symbolic of Egypt and Sodom? I'll tell you what city. Yeah. Babylon. You know why? Why? Because it was two places where the children of Israel were in bondage and two places that Allah brought a wrath upon. The children of Israel was in bondage in Egypt, remember? Yeah. And the children of Lot's family was trapped in Sodom. And the angels had to come free them. Now, Babylon, under Nebuchadnezzar, took the children of Israel into captivity and destroyed all the scriptures they had. Now, the next thing is, who was crucified? Yeah. If you turn your Bible to Psalm, chapter 22, we refer to it as a Zabor. You all refer to it as Psalm, Psalm. If you go to the 22nd chapter of it and read, what do you get? My God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Uh-huh. What does it sound like? Something that Jesus supposedly said when he was on the cross. Something Jesus is supposed to have said in Matthew 27, verse 46, to be exact. 
You're supposed to say, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And if you turn to Matthew and read it, you'll see this exact same quote. Correct? Correct. Now, who was first? Was David before Jesus or Jesus was before David in the physical form? Because you can't crucify a spirit, Jesus says. You can only crucify a body. So don't say Jesus was before David spiritually. Right. We're talking physically. Who was first? David. You're right. David was on earth before Jesus was born. In fact, Jesus oftentimes likened himself to David, the king of kings. David was called the king of Israel, the greatest of all kings. He brought down Goliath with his own sword, the way Jesus was supposed to bring down Rome, which is symbolic of a Goliath when they describe him in the Bible as a man-like creature whose body is composed of different elements, and he stands tall, and this is supposed to represent the new Babylon that a stone not cut with man's hand could bring down. And that little stone was supposed to represent the Messiah, Jesus. But David was crucified also. But why is it in, uh, in like Chronicles and also in the books of Kings when they describe when David died, they make no mention of that, though? Uh, because you're mixing up death and crucifixion. <laughs> you're, you're, you're mixing death and crucifixion. That's why the Quran told us right clear. It said he was not crucified, nor did they kill him. There's a big difference between a person being crucified and dying. You did not have to die on the cross. Now, if I stick a person in an electric chair, which is a New Day cross, chances are they will die. But they had a variety of ways of, of uh, judgment back then. They didn't always nail a person to the cross. And they have scientists have recently proved that if they did nail you to the cross, unless they stabbed you, in the heart, you can live for days on a cross, much more than three days. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you read the scriptures of 22 of Psalms, because in 22 of Psalms, David is going to tell you everything that the Christians say happened to Jesus, David is going to say right here. They casted lots for my garments. They pierced me in my hands and my feet. Dogs roamed around. The, the whole crucifixion is right here. Christians say this is about, about Jesus. David never wrote about a Jesus. The only prophets to write about the Messiah coming was who? Jeremiah and Daniel. Of course, Isaiah, but he wrote about his son, Emmanuel. But this text here, in the second chapter, let me go, let's go back and confirm something first. Let's go to Psalms 2 first, so we can see how David is referred to as a Messiah. And how they speak about people plotting against him. When they use the word in verse 2, anointed, the word anointed is the Hebrew word meshech, or the Arabic word messiah, or the English word messiah, or the translated from the Greek to the Latin, anointed one. So here when they're speaking about David, and it says, why do the heathens rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the who? The Lord and against his anointed, meaning his Messiah. This verse is about David. Now watch what it says. Let us break their bonds asunder and cast away the cords from us. Let's free ourselves from them. This is Israel talking. Read on. That sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. 
Derision, that's right. They'll be all divided up. Derision, correct. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Then Allah is going to drop a wrath on them for some reason. He tells you, go ahead. Yet have I set my king up on my holy hill over there. Now David is called the king, and he's up on Mount Zion. That holy hill is called Mount Zion, which is nothing but a Greek word that means Jerusalem, the new city of peace, of Salaam, peace. You follow that? Uh -huh. So now, not Jesus is up on the mountain, but David is the king on this Mount Zion. Christians act like the only person who's going to ascend to Mount Zion with a righteous following is Christ. But the Bible says that the Lord has placed David up there on Mount Zion first as his king. Is that what we read? Mm -hmm. Let's see what we go on. Read 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Sound like Christianity? We're talking about David here. The Lord has said to David, David, you are my son. This day have I begotten thee. Now the Christians keep saying, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. The Son of God, and God the Son himself, and three in one, and a trinity. And it gets on and on and on until they totally lose totally, total concept of what they're talking about. And then when you question them, they say, that's about the Holy Spirit. That means the preacher can no longer explain it, so he just takes it on out and says, that's about the Holy Spirit. The Bible here, on the other hand, is telling you that David was a begotten son of the Father. So David, therefore, was a son of Allah. Now, what do we mean by son? Do we mean what is Allah, or do we mean Ibn Allah? There is a difference in Arabic. Though Arabs will try to pretend there's no difference, when you speak about the birth of the prophet, they use the word molet. When you speak about a parent who gives birth, it's walid, walida, walid. But when you speak about the word sena, it means to adopt or to accept or to build on a relationship. So the word ibn means an adopted son or an accepted son, or son who raised himself up to a position to sonship. But if he were to use the word, waladullah, it would mean the law gave birth to him. And we know the Quran says, Bismillahi ar-Rahmani ar-Rahim, Qul, huwallahu ahad, Allahu samad, lam yalid wa lam yulad, wa lam yakullahu kufu'an ahad. And that means Allah does not conceive any individual. But all men are his sons and daughters. So here David, is being referred to as a son of Allah, or begotten of the Father. This does not mean that Allah had sex with anyone and gave birth to him. Or did anybody have sex and give birth to Allah? This is impossible. It means that all men who raise themselves up to a certain stage, the salihin, as the Quran calls them, the perfected one, they can be called Ibn Allah. You understand? Read on. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He said, the heavenly father told David, if you ask me, I will make you the ruler over all heathen, and any part of the earth will belong to you. Right? Correct. Now, he couldn't take this back and give it to Jesus. He had already promised it to one of his sons, David. Go ahead. Thou shalt break them with a, with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And is not that the description they use throughout the books of Jeremiah and Isaiah about bringing down Babylon? Uh -huh. About bringing down the potter's vessel? His feet is made of clay like a potter's vessel? Same statement. Go ahead. Be wise now, therefore, O you kings, be instructed. Did he say king or king? King. Why? Because the Messiah, when he comes, he has the power to do what? To anoint people. 
to make them Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Where Muslims make a mistake is they think that Allah is Lord of the world. And that's not true. Allah is Rabbil Alameen. And that word Rabb means to sustain something, to take care of it, not to serve it. You follow? Rabb means to take care. A housewife is called Rabbat Menzil. A woman who takes care of the house, who sustains the house. Human beings are Lord, a Sayyid. When we say Sayyidina Muhammad, we're saying Lord Muhammad. When the Jews use the word Rabbi, they're using the word Lord or Master or Teacher. You follow that? So here it tells David that the children of Israel become kings. All right, go ahead. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. What son? Whose son? <laughs> talking about the son of Allah. Right. Ibn Allah, not Walid Allah. We're talking about David, who Allah has adopted as his son to represent him as king over Israel on earth. Because Allah is al-Malikul. No man can be al-Malikul. So the only way a man can be called a king is if Allah has adopted him as his acting Malik on earth. And that's not by, like Saudi Arabia and them fools. That's anointing into priesthood. When you, when you say the word Meli Sadek or Mel Chesedek, or as we say in Arabic in the Quran, you say Nabi Khidr, you're saying Malik, the ruler, king. He was anointed in the order of Mel Chesedek, in the order of the king of Sadak. For that is, is the word justice or truth in Arabic. He's a king that can be trusted. Not a king that rules men, but a king that rules over the congregation of righteousness. This is what he's saying. Go ahead. Okay, uh, kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are they, all they that put their trust in him. Ain't that one of the Beatitudes from Matthew? Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor spirit. Where they get their Christian doctrine from for real? Where they get their Christ concept for real? Where they get their King of King and Lord of Lords from for real? Where they get my, go back to 22.1. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Where they get that from for real? And if you read on, you see it. Read it. It's not that long. It's not but 31 verses. Let's read together. Uh, this is chapter 3. Chapter 22 of, of Psalms. Chapter 2 confirmed that David was a son of Allah that David was the Messiah, that David was the king on Mount Zion, that David had the power to make kings out of the children of Israel, that David had the power to bring the wrath of Allah down, that David had the ruler of the world and all the heathens, everything that the Christians are trying to give to Jesus, David already had before Christ was born. That's what that chapter 2 psalm proves. And when some Christians say they're talking about Jesus, tell them they're out their mind. As far as they're concerned, every verse in the Bible is talking about Jesus. None of them read Hebrew. Let's go to 22. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why what? Why thou so far from helping me? That's what the word forsaken means. Forsaken means to leave me. Mm -hmm. Now let's go over to, we ain't got to go there physically, stay where you're at, but go over to Matthew 27, 46 mentally, where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He was supposed to be on the cross, right? Right. Now Christians tell me and you Muslims that Jesus was God and the Son of God, right? And that the Spirit of God is the Word that's in Jesus, the breath of life, that they find in St. John chapter 1. They're saying that the Spirit of God was inside Jesus, and this was what made him God and the Son of God, giving the power of three forces, 
the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, which they lie and say are three persons in one. First of all, Jesus was a person because he was a man. Angels are not persons unless they become men. And the Heavenly Father, the Bible says, he is not a man to lie. So the Heavenly Father is never a man. So don't say that the Heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Ghost are three persons in one. There's a Heavenly Father, Abbanah, as Jesus said, our Father who art where? In heaven. Not in him, not inside him, not on earth. Our Father who art in heaven, he said. Paul is the person who's trying to make people worship Jesus because Paul was a Pharisee. Jesus was trying to make people worship the Father. When they asked Jesus was the highest of all the commandments, you know what he said? That you serve the Lord thy God and him alone shall you serve. When a man called him master, you know what Jesus said? Call no man master. When a man called him good, he said, call no man good. He said, no one knows the end of the world except the Father. Not the Son, not the Spirit, only the Father. He separated himself from that, from that, from that St. Tonic verses written by humans who tried to take away the glory of Jesus as a Messiah and turn him into a God so that later on in time it could be proven wrong. Little, little, little things prove it wrong. How was Jesus conceived? Well, the Holy Spirit came down and touched Mary and gave her the Holy Ghost. Did that Holy Ghost give her a Y chromosome at the same time? Because as a female, she only had two X chromosomes. A why is necessary. This is a scientific fact we're talking here. Or did our Heavenly Father send the angel with a test tube baby? That's not supposed to be funny. What's funny is that we listened to them lies for 400 years. That's what's funny. I'm, not, I'm talking some serious stuff here. Did the angel Gabriel or the Holy Ghost, whatever angel you call him, did he have with him the Y chromosome necessary for Mary to fertilize and give birth to a son. Because by herself, as a woman, a woman cannot produce a male child by herself. She needs the assistance of a male. Now, if that was a man, it was different. Because a man has an X and Y chromosome, and you can breed from him a female, like from Adam, Allah made Eve. You see? But now when it comes to a woman, a woman cannot breed a man without the help of a man. That's a fact. Is that a fact? You bet it is. So now when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, did he have an X with him and a Y? Because we know as a female, she produces her 33 and one-third, or her 23 of the 46 chromosomes. Where did the male gender come in? Don't try to feed me that. I'm not feeding my son that. I'm not feeding my daughters that. And then they go to school in your universities and you teach them that that same thing you taught me in church was real is an irreality in science and biology class. Now my son is confused. He's as confused from biology as he is in math class. In math class, you, you Christians do the same thing to us. You Christian preachers, you, you ten percenters, as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad calls them. You do the same thing to us. You tell us three does not go into one, not in a division class, but in church three becomes God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So while I'm in church, it's all right to say three goes into one. But when I get back to math class, I better not write that on a piece of paper, otherwise I fail. Now I'm confused again. The devil's playing tricks with us as a people. He's a master of technology, a liar. He has us believing all kind of things that ain't real. The very word welfare, turn it backwards and see what it says 
the woman has to do to her black man. Say it backwards. That's welfare. Say it backwards. That's what has to happen. In order for you to get on welfare, you got to go down and tell them that your husband deserted you and the kid. He said farewell, goodbye, and walked out. What does that make the black man look like? Well, they never mention that there's more white people on welfare than us. They never tell us that. There's more white criminals than us. Because, see, when a white person commits a crime, the courts have to prove that he did it. Yes? Like, yes, in case any of y'all don't understand. But when a black person is involved in a crime, like Tawana Brawley, we have to prove that someone did it to us. <laughs> I mean, how can we win? When Getz went to court for shooting some brothers on the train, they had to prove that he didn't shoot them for the reason that we like to believe, meaning that when you got on a train with a gun, you didn't have that gun because you planned on smoking it. You definitely wasn't going to put no hot sauce on it and eat it. You had that gun because you were going to shoot it. So what happened is when some brothers walked up to you, you shot them. Premeditated attempt murder. But the courts had to prove that Get was not guilty to let him go. Or to give him such a minimum amount of time that they might as well let him go. But when it comes to Tawana, on the other hand, they didn't have to prove that these cops raped her. And don't believe this garbage they're putting on television now about she confessed. That's Balaki. They just got to close this case before the next election, and they're going to make up any lie they can. Don't buy that. This new guy on television is not her boyfriend. Consult the people that deal with her. Stop listening to the white media. Call Lester Maddox and them, call their lawyers, call Reverend Sharpton and them people, and ask them if that her boyfriend. Y'all are so ready to believe anything the white man say, y'all. Some of y'all says, gee, I knew it. I knew why. Because Whitey came on television and said so. Call the brothers and sisters that are fighting the case for her if you want to find out what's happening. Don't go to Whitey. He has to solve it. He has to make her look like a bad person that makes black women look like sluts. That she went and put herself in a plastic bag and put defecation on her just to hide the fact that she spent the night out. Come on, man. Every one of you brothers somewhere along the line and spent the night out. Your mother said be home at 11, and you came home at 1, but you wasn't going to climb in no plastic bag and put no dog food on you. Yeah. <laughs> They'd rather go home and get a beaten and stay in the house for six months, but get inside a plastic bag, punch myself in the face, and put defecation on me just to keep on getting one beaten? Beat me, ma. And we as black people are immediately supposed to know when white people say stuff like, you both say, black people don't do stuff like that. Because we know what we do. We don't put our, our parents in old folks' homes. So when they say, this black man deserted his mother in old folks' homes, you both say, no, we don't do stuff like that. They play with words. They got phonetics going. And it may not spell the same, but it sounds the same, so the brain registers the same meaning. Like I said many times ago, history. History, his story, his story. That's our problem. He has never taught us anything about what took place historically. He's only told us what his story was of it. Gomez was an alcoholic homosexual. <laughs> That's the fact. It's in his own writing. And how are you going to discover something like Dick Gregory said that somebody's standing on? How can I go into your apartment, me and my family, and some, I some friends, walk into your apartment, sit on the couch, turn on the television, open the fridge there, take out your chicken, and say, we discovered this. 
And then when you get up mad about it, I take and tell you, get up on the shelf in the closet. And the whole United States Army supports me. And I put you up on a reservation like they did the Indians and watch you die. Because nobody will come to your aid against the white man. They never do. Nobody will come to Tawana Brawley's aid, not the black race. They stand back and watch television, and they want to see what the white man says. Of course they don't like me. Go ahead, let's go back to the David and Jesus story. It's a, go ahead, let's read it, y'all. Go through it. You're going to find out the story here in 22 of Psalms. If not, go right into 71 of Psalms, and you're going to find the story right here about the crucifixion of Jesus. And this was way before Jesus was even born. Go ahead, read on. This is uh, 22. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. I'm in a night season, and I'm not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despise of the people. All that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lips. They shake their heads, saying, He trusted on the Lord that would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he... Excuse me, I just want to ask about that part. Remember, they said, Jesus, if you be the Son of God, come down off that cross. Right. Read that part again about him loving the Lord, that the Lord would save him. Go ahead. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. You see that? No. Jesus went in the garden, fell on his face. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. The Christians call it deliverance. That's their doctrine, deliverance. It ain't in the New Testament, the word. is only here. Talking about David. The people said, why don't your Lord deliver you from this death? Go ahead. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Now this could not be because Bashan is nowhere near Galgetha. <laughs> Nowhere near the garden with Jesus. This is way up in there, the Jordan River. Nowhere near down near Palestine where he was supposed to be crucified. Go ahead. Thank Are the people following you? The verse by verse? Yes. Verse 13. They gasped upon me with their mouths as a raven and a roaring lion. The people spoke against Jesus. They blasphemed him. They cursed him. This is what David said. They did the same thing to me. I am what? I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. They broke his leg. They stabbed him in the side. Anybody that's hung on cross, they got to break the leg before they remove the body, the joint. Go ahead. This is it's law. I mean, Roman law, actually, the Jews was, was imposed upon them. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. These are the signs of a man hanging on a cross, dying. I didn't say dead. Dying. <laughs> and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Right to the door of death. Right to the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. 
They pierced my hands and my feet. Listen to that. What did David just say they did to him? They pierced my hands and my feet. Does that sound like something familiar to you people? No. What does it sound like for people in there that's honest? You better, you better believe it. Same story. Only this book was revealed in the year 460 B.C.E. Before the Christian era. 460. It was revealed to David, Solomon, and a man named Asaph. That's why some of the verses don't apply to David. And if you read in the beginning of your Bible, it usually tells you who this verse was sent to. The magician, or to Asaph, or by David. All of it is not Solomon's writing. You understand? No. They pierced his hands and his feet. Go ahead. That's number 16. Go to 17. I may sell all my bones. They look and stay upon me. That Christianity, the soldiers looked up at Jesus while he was on the cross and, and taunted him. Yes? Yes? They part my garments among them and cast, cast lots upon my vesture. Matthews, again. John 23, 34. John 19, 24. Matthew 27, 35. They cast lots for Jesus' garment. Did they yes or no? Um, do y'all people want to know the truth? Or do y'all people want to just believe in this fiction? Is it a crucifixion like Ahmed said or a crucifixion? You know what I mean? Is it an FIX? <laughs> Which is it? You want to live this lie or you want to read the truth? I'm not giving you mine. I'm letting you read it right out of the Bible. There's a meaning in the Bible telling you that David was on the cross, that they nailed his hands and his feet. Historians have proven that the man that was crucified in Jesus' time didn't have his hands nailed. He had his wrists nailed. Now that's a fact that the Christians have just made public that the man in Jesus' time, which of course we know is Judas, was made to look like Jesus, had his wrists nailed. That's what the Christians are talking about. This man had his hands and his feet nailed. This man was not Jesus. I know this kind of hurts you. Nobody wants to accept the fact that we've been being lied to for so long and that we like the story because we got gifts on Christmas. But other than that, there wasn't nothing to it. And then that myth that you can't verify until you're dead, the myth is, and if you make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, when you die, you go to heaven. That don't give you much chance to correct it, you know. How are you going to verify? Because once you say it, then it's too late to say, I didn't know. Because the scripture says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You have an obligation to learn the word. Right? What do he say about faith without works is what? They're in vain. You've got to study to know. Jesus knew the scripture. Why do you think he kept quoting it to everybody? When he said in St. John, did I not say you are God? He was quoting Psalms. He, was, he knew it, but when he told a Christian about this, listen, Psalm 22 is a crucifixion. No, it ain't. No, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus resurrected from the dead for us. I said, wait it, hold it, hold it, wait a minute. Lazarus resurrected before, from the dead before Jesus. Are we going to worship him too? And a little girl resurrected from the dead before Lazarus. Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. Are we going to worship her too? So it ain't about the resurrection because Lazarus and a little girl both were raised before Jesus. So it ain't the resurrection. 
It ain't the crucifixion, but two other men, according to y'all, was on the cross beside him who were thieves. So it ain't nothing about it. We don't worship the crucifixion, so you might as well just pop those little electric chairs off your neck and throw them away. That you call a cross or a crucifixion, because it's nothing but an a, a ancient day electric chair, and it wasn't about anything holy, because two men beside him on the cross were by far holy. So it ain't the resurrection. It ain't the crucifixion. What do you say it is? His death? Elijah died and came back as John the Baptist, according to Jesus. So it ain't about returning back to life as another prophet or another man, because Elijah did that in this Bible also. It ain't that. Where is it? The miracles? There's not a miracle Jesus performed. I wrote a whole book about it. Then another disciple or another prophet did not perform. He did every, everyone he did, somebody else did. Moses did miracles, and so did the magicians of Egypt. They did miracles too. So miracles don't make you holy. The devil will give you power to perform miracles. Please tell me why it is that we worship Jesus. Because ain't nothing we should. Not even Jesus. The Christians say that the red letters of the Bible, the red letters of the Bible are the word of Jesus. Yes or no? What do we have the most of in the Bible? Red letters or black? So who we Jesus or whoever wrote the Bible? Now, if you tear out all the red letters of the Bible and throw up the black letters, you find out Jesus is a Muslim. <laughs> if you take out all that stuff that Paul and them say and just only read what Jesus says, you won't find anything that goes against the Quran in there. Not one thing. But if you go to Corinthians and Acts and, and this and that, if you take the... Moses called the Torah in the Quran, the first five books, and read those, you won't find anything that goes against Islam. But only when you get outside that and start getting into the books that kings wrote and other prophets wrote that you start going away from Surah Al-Mustaqib. I'm just telling you this. I know you don't want to hear the truth because the truth hurts. I, and then on the other hand, I know there's a whole lot of people in there who want to hear the truth because they're tired of being lied to. That's all I'm here for. I'm not a prophet. I am not the Messiah. You understand? I'm only here to correct mistakes. I'm a teacher, not a preacher. I teach, and I hope you're learning something. Because all I'm doing is putting down what's written here. I know you don't want to hear it because the Jehovah's Witnesses got more followers than me. That's because they're lighter than I am. <laughs> and when the white man said, I have, to, I have brothers and sisters come back to me and say, Imam, Imam, Imam. I say, what? They say, look. I say, yeah. The white man said the same thing you said, man, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me all the time. They said, man, I look, it's right here in the paper. No, nah, I said, years ago, AIDS is chemical warfare. Hey, I was saying that years ago. The white man put in the newspaper and said, yo, club, I got calls from Texas. Houston, Texas. Imam, it's in the newspaper. It's true. I said, the shroud is a fake. I don't know if any of y'all remember when they had that cross in the sky in Queens almost 10 years, maybe longer than that, 15 years ago. I said, oh, that's a fake. A cross. Jesus is going to reveal a cross, huh? It's the same effort it takes to reveal a cross. He can just reveal himself. Why would he send a, why would he send a cross? The same effort to materialize a piece of wood from heaven. And, and the worst part about it is that people really think Jesus took the cross to heaven with him. <laughs> And it tells you in the Bible, according to them, that they took him down off the cross, right? Mm -hmm. 
So now why are Christians still carrying around their neck the thing they killed him with? Are they trying to remember his suffering? Because in remembering his suffering, you think you will not have to suffer? That's not what the book of Revelation says. The book of Revelation says that if you are mistaught by the Antichrist or one of those false prophets or Satan himself, that you will be cast in a lake of fire with them. And Jesus said, many will come in my name and say they are of me and are not. Many are going to say, did I not perform miracles and heal in your name? And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Now, I don't know any Muslims who come in Jesus' name. Ain't none of us saying we are Christians. None of us are doing that. None of us are saying he is God. Only you people who call yourself Christians come in his name and blaspheme and lie about him. But he said, he's not God. He said, I am not greater than he who sent me. I am my own accord can do nothing. He has a whole suit thing that he says to say that I am nobody but another guy like anybody else. I have a whole list of them. You want to go through a list of things that Jesus says to say, I am just another guy? Huh? Let's look at some of them. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 5, right? It says, just like a man. Now, this is way back in Genesis. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. Now, we're establishing something. This is where they get there. God can come down as a man. You follow that? When they say the Lord in the scripture appear, they're talking about angels. When they think about the Lord coming down to Sodom and Gomorrah or coming to Abraham, they tell you that those were angels. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't come down as no man. Y'all want everything to be like you. You didn't mess up everything you touch. Yet you, you want to make Allah a man so you can mess that up too, huh? Let's look at another one. Exodus 33, 23. What does it say? I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back part, but my face shall not be seen. They say, see, he has a back. The Heavenly Father got a back. But you won't see his face. So he must be a man. He sends his angels to do his work. Can angels come as men? Yes, they do. Throughout the Bible tells you, Daniel tells you the angel Gabriel came to him as a man. In the Holy Quran, we know Jibril appeared as Basharan, as a well-made man to Mary. We know in the Hadith it says Gabriel came and talked with the Prophet Muhammad and his Sahaba, and they didn't recognize who this man was with his black beard and his white jalabiyah. Now, he didn't bring that jellabia from heaven with him because he brought a jellabia or a white robe from heaven. That means they got soul machines up there. That means they're sharing sheep in heaven. That means the sheep got to be afraid of heaven also because men are taking the clothes off their back to make clothes for themselves in heaven. We got our shame and our blame while here on earth. So when you see your little angel friends and someone says, Jesus appeared to me last night in the spirit in a dream. She said, well, what did he have on? A long white robe and a red sash. Say, nigga, you lying. They ain't got no storm machines in heaven. Who made the sash? 
false, simple lies. See, you're so busy concentrating on your parents of Christ that you're overlooking the little lie. He had a big light around his head, a halo. If he came from heaven, his whole person would be a halo. You know, people are nuts. <laughs> they have another one, Psalm 78, 65. Then the Lord awakened as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man, then shouted by reason of wine. Now the Lord got drunk. He woke up from being drunk and shouted out like a man because he was drunk. Right? This is what y'all Christians believe, huh? Now the Heavenly Father drinks, gets drunk, and wakes up and acts like a boisterous fool. This is what y'all believe. They're talking about Noah. Noah was the Lord then of the new world, the first man after the flood who drunk wine and became drunken and knew what his youngest son Ham had done unto him and called out to the Lord and put a curse on his son. This is not our heavenly father. Genesis chapter 6, verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. The heavenly father had a broken heart, so he must have had a physical heart. First of all, a broken heart does not literally mean that you have a, your heart break. They're talking about the emotions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala felt bad about what his creation had become. Read through the as of the Quran, you see, from the evil that became of his creation, it says. He regretted it, it says. If Allah thought regret, you'd be totally wiped out. He realized that which he created with willpower was using his willpower the wrong way, the same way he did in the garden. You can have everything in the garden, but the tree don't touch it. What did you do? Tell me. You went directly to the tree. You did not pass go. You didn't collect your $200. You went right to the tree and ate and violated the law. That's what he knows about man. Church of Karaz, Christ Incorporated. This program is for one group of people and one group only, the children of God. We no longer have to wonder or wander off the straight path. For those who want to make a difference, for those that want to know the truth, to so many unanswered questions, and for those who are tired of the devil taking control over everything in their lives and the lives of their children, this program is set up for those who want to be in God's kingdom here on earth. According to the scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first.
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, we must take back control of our lives. We, the Egyptian Church of Karaz Christ Incorporated, are reaching out to embrace all the children of God, as it states in Psalms chapter 82, verse 10. I have said ye are God, and all of you are children of the Most High. Next, you will be listening to our pastor, Reverend Dr. Malachi Z. Yortel, in question and answer form. Good evening. My question is coming from the sixth chapter of St. John, starting in verse number 53 and 54. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Mm-hmm. The, the question was just to help me to kind of get a... I don't understand it. It just... You should go to the, um, go to the upper room. Section of the upper room where, uh, where Jesus speaks to his disciples and they're having the last supper. That's the first time he says, take this bread and eat of it and, and drink this wine. But if you read on, you're going to say that he says the wine is the revelation. He says wine is the scripture. Later on, when the church reorganized, the wine became almost semi-cannibalism. As they didn't understand what he was saying, they changed it around. And even in churches now, they use it in the form of communion to apply it to after the crucifixion or while Christ was on the cross. But if you read the Bible, you'll find out that he offered them the bread, and he offered them the wine before he even went to the cross, before he even met the cross. And he tells them right in there, if I'm affectionate, yes. read it for me. You'll see where it comes in. We're in Matthew 26, verse 26. A lot of people get confused. It sounds like some form of crazy cannibalism. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. When you read the scripture, you see what Christ is saying. It comes out totally different. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. You know what he's saying? He's saying that this is the blood of the New Testament, right? And the blood of the New Testament is the life, because in St. John chapter 1, he says, the life is the light in men. But he was trying to tell them, because these people didn't have a scripture yet, except the old scripture. They still were following the old law. And he was telling them, this is like a new covenant through me. And this scripture that you shall from henceforth receive shall be the new covenant. It is my blood. It's based around my blood, around my suffering. And a lot of people don't understand that when Christ says my blood, again, they take it to the cross. And Christ is taking it to his seed, his blood seed, because he was seeking out that which was lost. He was trying to find the tribe of Judah. 
the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. A lot of people don't like that, and they want to take Paul and say, well, Paul came to the Gentiles, and through Paul, they have salvation. But Paul does not have the power to go to Gentiles. And Christians will argue this point day and night because they won't go to the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 1. If Paul was indeed sent to the Gentiles, like he claims, and after Christ said, go not in the way of the Gentiles, but go only to the Lordship house of Israel only, I come to my own, my own receiveth me not. The different things he said, well, read Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. And remember, all of Paul's writings and all of the other gospels, the four synoptic gospels, were already revealed, already complete. The last book in the Bible of the book of Revelations, and that was revealed between 96 and 98 in the Isles of Patmos while John was incarcerated. You remember that? And every other book was finished. So anything Paul said in Hebrews or was said in Corinthians or in Colossians or in any other books were already completed. You got that point? Now listen with John. And remember how important this John is because in the book of John, Jesus refers to John as his beloved. Remember that. And also remember that when James and Barnabas was trying to take Paul back to Jerusalem and leave Antioch, where they were insulting his Jesus' followers and calling them Christians as an insult in Antioch, when they was telling Paul, we have to take you back to the old disciples so that they can test your spirit to see whether you are God or not, because many false prophets are going into the world. Paul ran away from them and would not go back to meet John, who Jesus Christ called his beloved, one of his own. Now read the 11th chapter of Revelation. Let's hear what John says after everything Paul said and see what comes up. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles Right there, John, son of Zebedee, is making it very clear that they're interested in the tabernacle of God, the seed of God, the holy seed from which Christ came through from the line of David, not through Solomon. Like many people would like to make you believe, Solomon sinned, according to the book of Israel, by mixing his seed. It came to the first son, Bahagia and Adonijah. And it came on down, and then Jesse messed up the seed and went and married a Canaanite and had two children, and those two children died. And then God again gave Judah to marry Tamar and give birth to two more sons, and then Peleg carried the seed on down. God is trying to keep the blood of the house of Judah, not the house of Israel. The house of Israel had already fallen out of God's grace by violating the commandments of God not to mix their seed amongst the Canaanites who had mixed their seed with everybody. He was keeping the blood pure so that the spirit of Christ could get into the body. God cannot go into an impure body. And if you read the books of Israel, you'll find it constantly tells you how Solomon sinned because he married daughters outside the house. Talks about people defiling the blood of God. So Christ is not talking about just the blood of, on the cross. 
Christ is talking about the blood of the family of the seed of the woman that's been in conflict with the dragon called the serpent of Nakash in the scripture since Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 where the devil will attempt to bite you at your heel. Symbolic of the dragon which becomes in modern day the Dracula that will try to get their venom into your bloodstream and try to get their genes into your genes and destroy the God or the Holy Seed. The word holy in the Tanakh or Torah is Kodesh, and it means to be pure, to be something that's not diluted, something that's sure and certain and clean. And God was telling you from all the way back to Eve, Eve and Adam's seed was defected, and then God perfected it again in Seth. God says, you have given me a son instead of Abel. And then that seed was perfected, and then it started to go bad again. And all the way from Genesis to this day, God has been trying to keep the seed holy. When the children of Israel had formed the city of Jerusalem under Solomon and Zadok, then God sent Adonijah south, and he set up the city of Judea. And he had Asher with him, Benjamin with him, Dinah, which is the only daughter, and he had Dan with him. And that was the seed of Judah. And they went down and set up the city of Judea. Solomon, if you read in Kings, kept attacking the city. They migrated further down and migrated. And Benjamin stopped and set up what's called Yemen today. Ben-Yemen just means son of my right hand. His first name was Ben-Ami, which is son of the Egyptian god On. But then they changed his name to Benjamin, son of my right hand. That's the city of Yemen. And then in those other tribes, Dan moved up into Africa, came known as the Danakal tribe. The Falashian tribe is coming from Memlech, the son of Solomon, by Bathsheba. And they came down and went into Ethiopia and became known as the Falashians. All of these are Negro tribes, the Holy Seed, the seed of Judah. Now, there's a lot of other people in Israel, many other races. Don't get me wrong. It's not a racist statement. It happens to be a biblical fact. There are many people in our seed because we have mixed our seed with Canaanites, Ammonites, Moabites, even though Moab and Ammon come from Lot. They come through incest, which defiled the seed and violates the Levitical law. So Ruth was really of the Moabites and now was a corrupt seed. So if someone married into Ruth's seed, they also was married into a defiled seed. And God, like I said, was trying to keep it pure. So they moved us down out of the Holy Land all the way down into the land of Judea. They kept attacking us in Judea, so we moved further down and moved up into Ethiopia. The tribe of Dan moved up and became known as the Danakal tribe. Later on, the Danakal mixed in with another tribe of Judah called Huda or Yahuda, and they became known as the Handendau. The name Huda or Hadi, that you find used as Mahdi or Mahdi, is the exact same word as Judah. And that tribe mixed together and they formed the Danagla. And those people have found the way the Bible describes them in ancient times as Cush, which is Ethiopia, as Ham, which is Sudan, as Phut, which extends from Libya all the way over to Algeria. And you'll find all of those families in that area, those are your original tribes in Mitzrayim, which is called the original Egyptian, before, as he said, the Canaanites snuck into Egypt and set up a ruling class that kept the children of Israel in captivity for 430 years, as opposed to the Sodom in Egypt, which you're in now, 
and you'll be in bondage for 400 years, which is spoken of in Genesis chapter 15. It says, No of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, and it shall serve them 400 years. When you get to the end of that verse, it says, Because the iniquities of the Amorites are not yet full. And the Amorites were the sons of Canaan. The Egyptians wasn't the sons of Canaan. The Egyptians were the sons of Cush and Ham. And when you look up the word Cush, you get the word Habashia or Ethiopia, or you get the translation of Cush meaning dark skin. You look up the word Ham, you get the same thing, burnt Hammond, burnt dark. These were all Negro tribes back in Noah's time. Noah's family and all of them were Negroes. Abraham, the reason why he kept going to Assyria and Egypt is because when you check the family of Abraham out, Abraham or Avram was born in Chaldea or of Chaldea, but he was Assyrian. You'll find his family from him to Nahar to Leban. They say Leban the Syrian. So Abraham was a Syrian. The language you hear spoken, Arabic today, comes from that ancient language, Syretic. That language that the Arabs made, the thing they're speaking up today, from a variety of different dialects of other cultures. Some Hindi from Ordu is mixed in it. Some Turkish stand is mixed in it. Some, uh, what do you call it, French is mixed in it. In Morocco, some Latin is mixed in it. But the original language of the Bible, Ashuric, and the language that Jesus spoke was Arabic or Galilean Arabic or Nazarene Arabic. If all Abraham's seed was those original Syrians, God was trying to perfect it through Abraham again. By the time he got past Noah, and inside the ark, Canaan was born in Albino, which is where they get the word from the Caucasus Mountain called Abras, which is a Hebrew word and an Arabic word, Abrasa, meaning leprosy, right? Those same people came down out of the mountains and mixed their seed. That was the tribes of Canaan, just going around mixing their seed. One of the things they brought with them is their obsession with flesh. Check the three histories out. You'll find that you have what's called Beijing, which became known as Peking, where they get Peking man from. And that is an oriental. That's a caveman. That's one type of man. And I'll get into that. Then you have the Neanderthal man. The Neanderthal was found up in Germany. The Neanderthal man is the Caucasian. See, that's called also a caveman who lived up in the mountains in Europe. Then you have down in Kenya and in Ethiopia and in Uganda. The difference is that the people down in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Uganda under Lucy were vegetarians or veggies. The people up in Neanderthal, it has been proven, right, were carnivorous and ate flesh. This is why so many diseases are in the body today, because so many people have followed after the way when the Caucasians came down today, and even today they eat flesh. Now, when I go over to the Mongolians, or what you call the Asiatic people, which are from Peking, man. Then you get into people that eat almost anything. They eat bugs, snakes, dogs, cats, anything, different ones. There's the ones that ate flesh, and the ones up in Neanderthal didn't just eat what they call cow, bull, oxen, goat. They ate people as well. The word, that cannibal word comes from them up in that area, and today there's still records of them still people eating each other, like Jeffrey Dahmer and this other fellow they just recently caught was eating a bunch of young boys. It's still in the gene. You can't get it out of the gene. So God was trying to keep his seed pure of that from coming all the way down to the family. And that's why they keep speaking about the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ. But they don't just leave it there. They say blood of Christ, seed of David. And they want to make it clear that they're not talking about Suleiman or Solomon or Shalomon who had sinned 
before God by mixing his seed with people. Get back to Revelation 11. When it talks in Revelation 11 about counting the people, this is a second counting for the new Jerusalem. Because there was another counting years ago, which the brother's going to read, when Israel was trying to get back into Jerusalem after they came out of the captivity of the Babylonians and had mixed their seed terribly with the Canaanites. And when they tried to move back in the city, the priests stopped them and said, you people cannot come in the city because you had committed the sin of mixing your seed. And they only let Judah and Dan and certain tribes back in, and most of the tribes of Israel were forbidden because they were no more. They later went on and became known as Jewish, a word that didn't pop up until 1514. That's the first time the word Jew or Jewish was used, in the year 1514. Anytime you find it in a book before that, it's a conspiracy. So when you find it in the New Testament where Christ says, I know the blasphemy of them who call themselves Jews and are not, the word Jew could not have been there because the word wasn't created until 1514. He was saying, I know those who are of the tribe of Judah and are not. Because a lot of us had to what? Defiled our seed and mixed our seed. Some by will and others by force. But in order for God to manifest, for he says, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is flesh in Genesis chapter 6. So God moves by putting his breath or spirit or life into your body. And he says, I breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a, I breathed into my spirit and became a, but man now is void of God and void of God's spirit because his vessel, his temple, his tabernacle is unclean. So John, son of Zebedee, after the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had already gone, your father and was destined to return, remind the children of Israel and remind them right there in Revelations, it's time to do another counting. But you notice that he adds, he says, a reed and a rod. Why? Because we're going to start counting people by their genes. And some people will have to be dealt with by a rod because they're going to stand and say, I'm of the tribe of Israel. Just like it says in the Bible, people are going to say, didn't I heal in your name, Jesus? And Jesus is going to tell them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. Why? Because these are people that are following Paul. And Paul is one of the three frogs mentioned in Revelation that comes out of the mouth of the dragon and has the devil as a companion and false prophet speaking for them. The three frogs is Paul, Titus, and Cyrene. Those are the three Romans that were propagating a new form of Christianity that said you do not have to keep the law. When Jesus says in St. John chapter 1, verse 17, the law came from Moses. Namus idum musia. Law came from Moses, but grace and truth come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus also backed up by saying, I did not come to... But to fulfill. So when Paul comes along and says, no, we don't have to keep the Shabbat. No, we don't have to be circumcised. No, we don't have to do this. No, we don't. what he is doing is creating another gospel. And when he starts talking about Jesus Christ, the way he does in metaphysics instead of reality, then we're now talking about another Jesus. The Jesus he's talking about is found in Acts also. He's called Simon Bar Jesus. That's the one that they're worshiping today. He's called a Jew, a false prophet, and a sorcerer. 
or one who works of magic and mesmerize a whole town of people, uh, El Maras, they call him, a learnt one. This one is the one Paul is propagating. Paul don't want to teach about the Jesus as found in Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. He don't want to talk about that Jesus because that Jesus is described as a Negro. It says, hair like lamb's wool, feet like brass, fine brass, blemishless, as if it's been burnt in a furnace. They don't want to teach that. They want to teach an image of a beast. And then they want to give that image life and don't call it racism. They call it racism if I say Jesus is black, but it's not racism when they go against the words of the Bible and put up a white image or Italian image or whatever other image they want to give when God gives a description of his son in the book of Revelations. I have yet, as I watch the Word Channel, to ever see one of those guys go to that verse and try to explain it. Right. They will run around it, jump over it, step over it, get around it, but they won't go nowhere near it. And there's good reason. Because it says in the book of Revelation, in the 13th chapter, that they are going to take the image of the beast. You with me? The image. That means a drawing, a statue, something that's lifeless. And they're going to give it life, it says in the Bible. So that it will be able to walk and talk. Now, how do you do that? When you go back to Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo, and they're responsible for drawing these concepts of God and Jesus as other than what the Bible describes. And then by the time you leave them to now, we got movies of Jesus. And these movies now are actors who are American or British or whatever, Caucasians, acting like Jesus. They took an image which was lifeless and they gave it life and made it able to walk and talk that it may deceive the world. And that you will love the image of the beast and no longer love your own image. That you won't want to be you. That you won't want to be what you look like. You want to look like other than yourself. You don't want to be in the image of God. Because God says in Genesis, I created man in my image and after my likeness. But yet when Christ comes and says, when you see me, you see God, Romans got mad. Mixed Jews whose seeds have been corrupt got mad. Why were they mad at that statement? Look at it again. Genesis says, I created man in my image and after my likeness. God says that. So man looks like God. And then Christ says, when you see me, you see the Father. And then when I read Revelations, I get a description of Christ. And then I know why the Romans didn't like it. Then I know why they wanted to kill him. Right. And I know why they hated his disciples. Right. Your father, and they key in on it because in Matthew 15, a woman comes out of Canaan, a Canaanite woman, comes up to Jesus and tries to get Jesus to heal her, and the Bible says he ignored her. That's right. Why did he ignore her? He ignored the same reason why God told Cain, I'm not going into the land of Nod. Because those people over there are evil. So God ignored the woman, again, in the flesh as Jesus Christ, because he knew that she said what? My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. Jesus did not heal the woman. He told her by her faith was she healed. Because the disciples said, send that woman away. Why would Jesus' disciples, men are supposed to be so nice, men are supposed to be so loving, men are supposed to be so kind, in the presence of such a wonderful, illustrious person as Jesus Christ, not want to talk to a woman. Why would they even walk up to Christ and say, 
send that woman away. Is that the pattern of the disciples? No. Do you see that anywhere in the Bible? No. No, because this woman was a Canaanite. And Jesus said, said, you twelve, go ye to the lost sheep of the house of Israel only. Go find my people. And when he went to Nazareth, amongst his own people, and the people of Nazareth called Nebulus, are Negroes. I was there. When he went there and lived amongst his own people, they stoned him. So you know what he said? I came to my own, and my own receiveth me not. But as many as do, not as many in the whole world, that's not what it says. As many of them that do, to them I give the power to become. And when he said the sons of God, now you're back to the most important point the brother's trying to reach. Ears to the kingdom of God. Ears. We are God's chosen people, the tribe of Judah. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. We have been scattered from Puerto Rico to the Caribbean up in London. You can find where people are. We've been scattered. Like God said, I'll scatter you across the earth. But Christ came to gather that or to find that which was lost. He was in Jerusalem. Am I not right? That's right. He was right in the city of Galilee. He was in the city of Nazareth. In Bethel. He went all over the cities. But how could a man, listen close. How could a man like Christ be there in all those cities and then say, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of How could the people still be lost if he's with them? If he's standing in Jerusalem with them, how could they possibly be lost? Because he was seeking out the Negroes right. like himself and saying, you are the holy seed. This ain't racism. This is the Bible. That's right. I mean, if you call it racism because you want to be God and you want me to be subject to you. So as long as Jesus was literally white in all the churches and all those crosses, that was okay. But when now we're in a day of computer and sciences and archaeologists excavating and finding bones, BBC went over there to Nazareth and dug up bones and found out in Bethlehem of Judea that everybody in that village, Jesus' age, were niggers. Right. Nigger's not a bad word. Nigger's not a bad word. Nigger's right in the books of Acts, chapter 13. Right. Simon, Jesus' brother, is called Simon the nigger. And if you look in the back of the Bible on the nigger for Greek, you get black skin. And that was Jesus' own brother. That wasn't the one who helped carry the cross. That's a whole nother myth necessary to make it look like, oh, let the negro help carry the cross. It's a subtle racism that they keep sticking to whom? To Paul. Paul is a liar. And let me tell you why. Because Paul says when he was on the road to Damascus, he saw a bright light. Right. And what was the end result of that? He was blind, right? That's right. Right? All right. So now, then he says there was two other men with him. And they saw the bright light. Yet they escorted him into the city. Now, why wasn't they blind? And then another place, when he caught that lie, he said, well, they didn't see the light. <laughs> but they just heard the voice. But Paul didn't live during Jesus' time. So Paul wouldn't recognize Jesus' voice. So another time he said, well, I heard not the voice, but I did see the light. Because if someone would have said to him, Paul, oh, how would you know if we didn't have tape recorders back then? How would you know that that was Jesus and not Satan talking to you? You didn't know Jesus' voice. You didn't walk with Jesus. You didn't talk with Jesus. You didn't break bread with Jesus. You didn't sup with Jesus. You opposed Jesus' followers. You took pleasure 
and persecuting Jesus' followers. What's wrong with the world now is John, son of Zebedee, also in the three epistles of John, tried to warn us about an antichrist that was living then, not future. He said, antichrist are with us now. And Christ said right there in Matthew 24, many are going to come in my name and say, I am Christ. They're not going to say they're Christ. They're going to say he's Christ. And Christ is going to tell them, I don't know you. What is he going to say? I don't know you. And then what did he say? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And what did the disciples tell that woman? Get away from us. Depart from me. They're telling you who they're talking about. All these rich evangelists running around making all this money and jumping all over the place on television with millions of dollars and laying on their hands and knocking people down. Show me one place, one place in the Bible where Jesus Christ put his hand on somebody and knocked them down. One place. I watch them on TV and have these steps in the front of the churches and folks are coming up throwing envelopes of money down on the stage. If I recall right, the Lord Jesus Christ was upset for people exchanging money in his father's house. And if those are supposed to be houses of worship and churches, you're not supposed to exchange money there. So, this is why you've never seen, in all the 30 years that I've been teaching you, you've never seen us pass out no plate. Because if you pass out a plate, you're going against what Jesus said. And if you're following Jesus, you must obey him. I don't care about the money. Because whoever God is for, no one can be against. <laughs> you will get the money. God will take care of you. He will build his own kingdom. Your father, those people are working with the Antichrist. And they got the television swarm with the image of the beast. They got movies. Every year they got a new Jesus. A new actor. Making sure they take a dead image a still image, one created way back there, and give it life. And they even have it walking and talking on big screens, like the Bible says they would. The same thing they said about the prophets of the fig and the olive. It tells us in the Bible, the fig and the olive, they said, their bodies shall lay in the street for three and a half years, and all eyes shall behold them. This was said 2,000 years ago before there was TV and satellite. But now when we look on television, we see the fig and the olive. The figure is Moses and the olive is Muhammad. You follow? If you check their books, you'll find that out. Zechariah talks about it, and it's also in the Quran also. And we see the blood of Arabs, or people call themselves, I can go there too if you want me. Arabs and Palestinians and Jews, their blood is in the street, and people all over the world are looking at television now. You see them bodies laying in the street. The Bible ain't made no mistake. That's a prophecy of 2,000 years before a television or a video or a DVD was even created. God already knew. One day, you'll be looking at a screen in America, and you'll see bodies of dead prophets in the street in Jerusalem. You can't get away from the word of God. What you got to do now is get back online with God. Because Christ is coming, your father, to give you and make you ears to the kingdom of God. This series of tapes, Inflammation versus Misformation, were recorded from classes given this year by Dr. Malachi Z. York, known to us as the Supreme Grandmaster Naya Malachi Zodek L., our own Pharaoh, Amanubi Ruakatar. And now, listen with an open mind and heart as our Grandmaster inflames you with only the truth. Allow your inner light to flow again and stop out misinformation with only the facts. 
And now, listen to the Supreme Grandmaster, Naya Malachi Zoduck L. Instead of sending that out. 
out in the universe, we've got to, as God, absorb it. We've got to absorb the hate, not just close the door on the hate. You know what I'm saying? We've got to absorb all the negative energy, but we've got the power to do that. We can take, we can take an angry person and turn them nice. You know what I'm saying? We can take, so we can take negative energy and absorb it within us in, in ourselves, and it still won't destroy us as long as we're standing there with God and not a mere mortal working off emotions.
about them? Life was already there. Who put that there? Who created that form of life? What they're saying is shaped and formed, fashioned and shaped, man or mortal of the dust or mud of the ground. But the life was already in it. That is working with nature. That nature had already provided life in the mud. Life is in the water. There's no water anywhere where you can put a tube of water, take it and put it under the microscope. What will you see? You'll see life again. So if God took the dirt and the water, life and life, water, female, earth, man, that's why earth in the Bible called Adam, male, male and female created he, them. Woman is the water, man is the earth. They got it backwards. Put them together and form mud. Two forms of life came together there. Or two, two forms of matter that contain life were brought together for a greater purpose. You follow that? That was nature at work. They can say or imply that a God reached down and did it with his own hands, they feel like. But then we'll get into it. He had hands. Well, no, he didn't have hands. Um, he just willed it into happening. He thought it, and the mud came together and started to shake it. So he had a preconception of what it would be shaped like. He had a mind. Um, no, see, God don't have to do that. See, God could just imagine things like kun, fire kun, things, and into existence they come. So he thinks that. So if he has to stop to think, there's a point when he's not thinking. If he had to think of the kind, the idea of creating a human being, he had to say, I'm going to let us make a man. So what was he thinking the day before that? <laughs> what was he thinking before he thought of creating man on behalf of mortals, I mean? Was he just there by himself? <laughs> if nobody else was there with you, what would you be thinking about? If none of the things you understand or understand have been created yet, what would you reflect on? Could you have an active subconscious mind? You understand? Could you have an active subconscious mind? A subconscious mind is when you store information. Could you have an active subconscious mind to store information before information was formed? With me? What, is, what was this God doing? What was the loss of my doing before he said, let us cut now, Ellen Sanam, and whatever. But it's gone on, changes one minute's mud, minute's clay, then it's mesh, then it's water, then it's from a some single male and female, then it's from a product and devil bit, whatever, whatever. Whatever prophet or poet wrote it. What was he thinking? Or what was he discussing with his wife the night before? Oh, I forgot. He doesn't have a wife. And he doesn't have any children. So he was sitting somewhere with his hands. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the hand. So he said to himself, let up. <laughs> Holding up his hand and created his own trinity. Let up. Me, you, you, and me. Make a man. In our image, in our likeness, and he went and shaped the mud and then said, and he blew into man, the breath of life, and man jumped up, a living soul. <laughs> How long? How long are we going to be believing?
in this crap. When are you going to give this back to him and laugh and say, nice, who's coming? <laughs> Just like you give, go back to the video store and you turn back in video, it's time to turn back in the video called His Story. Say yeah. was a nice story. I rented this video. I took it home. We watched it. It impressed me. I had moments in it where I believed it. It ended. The time you came up here. Because as the sisters asked me, what about all these tornadoes and things? Because their book of Revelation didn't tell them about that. Their book of Revelation tells them, wait for the craft to come. What about the people that are getting whipped up by nature right now before Jesus gets back? They go to church Sunday faithfully. But tornadoes don't pick Friday nights to come or Monday morning. Tornadoes come. And they didn't prepare us for that. That's why you're asking. It's happening all over the world. They're flooding in London. They're flooding in Germany. They're flooding the tornadoes. The volcano that's been dormant for thousands of years just erupted. They didn't prepare us for that. But have you noticed that it has not really affected us? That we are where we're supposed to be. It wouldn't be bothering us. If we were were in the wrong environment at the wrong time with the wrong people, I don't care whether it's a bus, truck, or plane. I was talking to a lady yesterday in the store, and I said, I don't know about all this flying, because, you know, nine planes came down last week alone. She said, hell, the planes would have fell on somebody who was on the ground. I said, that's true. <laughs> and then I point to, like, you don't have to be in a plane to die. What about the people that was on the ground when the plane came down? I said, that's the reality of it. That's true. So nature is doing this. You know why? Because it's our time. We should not be worried. Rain, most of y'all would have kept sitting here. And we're going to start something like dog, either. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my drip. It's our time. We work with nature. You with me? The Bible, the Quran, and all of those silly little books, that video we rented from them. Some 2,000 years ago, we, we got the Winston song and said, yo, can I get that video on uh, a white dog who came to earth to save everybody? We took that video home called a video called Our Lord Jesus Christ. We popped it into the, into the video recorder of our heart. <laughs> and we sat there and we absorbed that crap and we've been waiting ever since. If you're a Christian, you're saying, you shouldn't be talking about us like that. I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about fools. And you was a fool, you wouldn't be sitting there. You came out here to find out what about that video, Jesus Christ. A whole bunch of Muslims popped in a video called Muhammad the Arabian Prophet is the answer to all the Negro problems. They slide that video in their heart. A whole bunch of Hebrew Israelites in Israelite church took another one and said, We are the children of Israel, and Yahweh is the answer to all the Negro problems. And they slid that video inside their chest. But the video ends, but time don't. Christianity is going out. Islam is failing. You with me? Judaism is gone. But time hasn't. And 
and we have withstood all the crap, and now we're saying, okay, tell us the truth. Movie's over. Tonight, movie has no drama, has some lust in it. Read the Bible. It says, got sex, it's got what? Violence, it's got, it's got all the things a good movie has. Any Steven Spielberg does. But it's over. It doesn't apply to us no more. And now, Mother Nature is showing everybody on the planet who's the boss. The baddest military in the world. They couldn't do nothing about them tornadoes. They went to military bases flipping planes. Whether it's in China, they think they're sophisticated, or Russia who thought they were sophisticated, or America who thought they had sophisticated military capability. Mother Nature goes to airports with tornadoes and flips over planes. Topples boats or massive ships. People are walking around the street now thinking they did not have the answer to any force other than themselves. When they got fed up with the guard principle, they went into the self principle. But a force steps in and says, you may have given that video back on Jesus Christ, that video back on the Muhammad crap, but you still got to deal with the breath of life. You follow that? And, and what do they do? They remind you that you ain't as bad as you think you are. Because you worry. You worry your house might be next. And all the crosses and the crescents and all the Korans and the Bibles in them houses, churches be getting snatched up by nature. Nature don't come down the block and look at the Baptist or the Pentecostal church and say, well, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Nature comes down the street, knocks up churches, bars, discos, health bars, hospitals. Nature doesn't respect crap. Nature only respects Nature when it responds. And we're in the same time where they're trying to suppress the reality that nature is at work. And there is no more room for the crap, the tribute, or the silly religion of expectation. You know how long you've been waiting for Jesus? Everybody here has a relative. More than likely, that belongs to one of the mono, mono, god of ignorance and arrogance, if you look it up. One of the monotheos, the Greek pluralization for God, theory. One of the monotheistic religions. Your grandmother or great-grandmother believed that Jesus was going to come save her. I remember hearing Herbert W. Armstrong on television, the plain truth, say, I know I'm going to live to see Christ return. He's dead. You didn't see his kind of Christ come. The kind of Christ Christianity is looking for. This is the expectation religion. You understand what I'm saying? I want you all to get that in your head so you can kick it back out there. You got to sit around in the world of illusion. Muslims in mob making Salah a victim to Allah. <laughs> Every now and then, somebody text me. Still, they go to Mecca and die. Still, they plan a plan. They plan a plan, and Jesus plans a plan, and Jesus is the best of plans. In so far as the plans that the Arabs had in New York last week to blow up the buildings was a broken, right, blocked by Christians. Christian FBI ran in 
and shot two of them and stopped them from doing their bombing in the name of Ismail Lawton. Is that right? Was that on the media? All them niggas laying in the hospital below them? Yeah. Did the bombing stop? So instead of saying, they plan a plan, and a law plans a plan, and a law is the best of planet, you got to change that around now. You got to say, we plan the plan, <laughs> and FBI plan the plan, and the FBI was the best of planet. The FBI is the more powerful than the law. Because the Muslims did not succeed. That they were moving in the name of an all-powerful, unstoppable God. Could anybody have stopped that? No. Would the old Sheck be in jail doing life if he was following his God and his God was a good God and a powerful, all-knowing God? Would his butt be in jail doing life in America in a Christian jail? Would his, would his, would his, his following be in jail? Hello? You know, not. Hello, wake up, Muslims. Your God is dead. Your God does not respond to you. You get no help. There's no not law anymore. Now, if you pick up the Holy Quran and you start to read it, you may hear Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to make you feel good, that he got help from the law. When did it stop? You know what I'm saying? If you read the Islamic studies theater, histories of Islam, and trace it all out, you go back uh, 1,400 years ago, and the Prophet Muhammad, According to their writing, got help from Allah against his enemies. Right? When did it stop? Why is Lebanon a parking lot now? Lebanon was an Islamic country with some Christians in it. They fought the Christians, they lost. Islam is coming, Lebanon's a parking lot. When was the help? Allah. And Muhammad's answer was in the Allah even. Surely the help of Allah is near. Well, it wasn't nowhere near Iraq when Saddam Hussein, who is a Muslim, was fighting against the Christian world, the U.S. of AIDS. Where was Allah? And when Kuwait was getting ready to get attacked by Saddam, the, the Muslims in Kuwait did not run into the mosque and fall. No, they didn't know the Allah. And then they were like, Allah, 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 please call America, please. <laughs> and Quake called in the American forces to go in, you with me, to stop the Muslims from Iraq from attacking Quake. They didn't call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm going to win. The Saudi Arabians, they didn't call on Allah. Who they called on? America. American troops is over there. Teaching them how to fight. I thought, I thought, I don't know, you know. I thought the Quran said when a Muslim is in distress in battle, Allah sends help from heaven. Angels are supposed to come down to help you. Unless you try to tell me it's American forces over there. Are angels? I don't understand why you Muslims are depending on American forces when you're the pocket one, by the way, let me ask. Alcohol drinking one. Because Saudi Arabia has to put aside a certain neighborhood in Saudi Arabia just for the alcohol drinking, pork eating, neck dressing Americans over there, where 
when they suppressed the family of Ali, when they suppressed his daughter Fatima, when they toppled pure Islam, and they introduced this crap that they're shoving down your throat today called Sunni and Shia and Ahmadi and all this other crap. When the Islam and its pristine purity was destroyed, before it was a religion, when it was still a way of life, when it was sent as a salvation to a backward people in Arabia, you understand? When Muhammad was raised up amongst them to save them, speaking their tongues, receiving a book in their language for them to pull them on up into the future. That's when it was pure. But it stopped the moment the desert Arabs got involved. And when you look on television and you see what of see Muhammad, I know you love him. I love him too. He's my brother, but he's from Cuba. He got hit in the head with a rock called I ain't got no sense. <laughs> he's always, and almost all of you Muslims out here, are always surrounding yourself with desert Africans. I don't never see Worthy Muhammad. I don't never see Minister Louis Farrakhan around no Nigerian Muslim. Or no Muslim from Somali. Or no Muslim from Sudan or no Muslim from Ghana, or no Muslim from Senegal, or no Muslim from Paris. They're always around Pakistanians, Saudi Arabians, a whole bunch of what the Quran told them to watch out for, El Arab, Desert Arabs, they call the most deceptive. And when we as Ansars refuse to sit down at the table with them and do what Farrakhan just did, you understand? I refuse to let them come to me and put a turban on me about my way of life. Say, get out of my face, jump. <laughs> I had Islam before you knew what Islam was. Before Muhammad was born, we had Islam. You know what I'm saying? Now you're going to come and try to ask me, well, I want to join the Islamic Council with a bunch of confused al arab a bunch of hadith following fools. And I had to answer, I said, hell no. You got to go. And Muslims, black skin, woolly head, picky head, fuckweed ass niggas with top ears on, got mad at me. Because I don't want to kiss no Arab butt. Then I must not, he must not be a Muslim. He ain't want a whole ass all, he's a co-star. They all in my body life. But I don't want to fall in the trains. I said, I'm hanging out with Sudan. And I said, Sudan over Nigeria because I can overlay this cloud in Sudan. And everybody here put nappy hair, the wavy hair, the light skin, the dark skin, the long nose, the wide nose, the brown, the black, the beige color skin would fit in Sudan without any racial problems. Unfortunately, if you went to Nigeria, some of y'all, they'd be saying, you look, you look Nigerian. Others, they'll be saying, what are you? <laughs> but almost most of y'all got mistaken as a Sudanese, as an Amazon. People say, are you Sudanese? Tells you where you had roots. And I didn't say roots, I said roots. <laughs> <laughs> so when did they lose the power? They, lose, they lost the power when they suppressed us. When they caused Fatima her life. When they sought out and killed Hassan and Hussein, the sons of Ali and Fatima and to kill the prophet's family. That's when they lost it. And the fools that are in Islam now are demons. When did Christianity lose its power? When Paul went and followed Jesus' disciples. You with me? 
in his own doctrine. When Paul was self-acclaimed disciple while walking on a roadside by himself, said, I had a vision. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul. But he proceeded to call himself Paul. You tell me that God, the Son of God, talk to me, the Son of God in flesh calls you Saul. Will you call yourself Paul? If God called me Banana Head, my new name would become Banana Head, and I'd be proud of it. But Paul says he met Jesus on the roadside, so it could not be confirmed by a special disciple to Jesus, only by a handful of people who wanted to listen to Paul. They lied on Jesus. Where did it go back? When the Romans, equivalent to El Arab, got into that religion, which was not Christianity, there's no such word as Christianity. Jesus never heard the word before in his life. Christians are being taught in church to call on somebody who would not respond. The boy's name was Yeshua. Yeshua Bar El. With me. And that L is on the end of Gabriel, making him a boy. <laughs> he would have never known who you were talking about. So that's where that died. So now, these videos you tell us are rewritten stories that I'm supposed to accept on what you call faith and live in a world of expectation until I die. Jesus is coming. My grandmother said Jesus is coming. My great-grandmother said Jesus is coming. And on the other side of my family, they were Muslims, and they were saying the same thing about the Mahdi and the Messiah, the Messiah. He's coming. Generations passed, and he did not come. Believe you me, there's fools in church right now saying, today on Sunday, Jesus is coming. They still believe it. Jesus said to thank God, you see me in a little while. We're 2,000 years away. Jesus' concept of a little while in most people is real different. <laughs> Muhammad said, Surely the help is near. In the mouth of Allah, he called even. Surely the help is near. Muhammad said that 1,400 years ago. Muslims are still getting beat up. Starving. Christians are starving. They want to hide Jimmy Swagger. Now you ain't hiding Jimmy Swagger. Pull Jimmy Swagger about up here so we can talk about him. Jimmy Swagger had a whole population of us believing that he was right. Jimmy Swagger had his hand in somebody's pocket swagging the stuff out. He got caught in a whole cell with some old girl. Now you want to hide that that's Christianity. Jim Baker, another one. You feel with me? You want to hide that Jim Baker was all homosexual. Stealing money from people in the name of the Lord. All I'm saying is, why should I trust you now? Why should I trust any more of you? You understand? Farrakhan changed a million man march into a million dollar march. Sticking the money in his pocket. Why should I trust Farrakhan? I can't question him. I can't question your preacher without you getting mad at me. Let me ask your friend, your minister, some questions. To see how he handles it. You want me to ask you a good question? Want something new? Yeah. Let's do it, huh? Let's do it. 
new one for you. That's the Christian that is you. Travels eastward on a journey, the Bible says. 
he was a chump. That's the only reason why he gave his wife up was he's a punk. You understand? I believe it. Real is real. But let's get back to that. So seven people from Mithraim, and Mithraim was the first day after the flood, and he set up the whole empire of all of Egypt and his 36 dynasties, built all the pyramids and his things, all the objects, all the pylons about when he fell, and all the different clothes, the designs, the concepts that they did not find in Israel, they did not find in Noah's time, the whole thing of Egypt, the chemistry, alchemy, he did all that in seven generations. Before Abraham got there. And by the time Abraham got there, that this massive big empire was so powerful that a, a Hebrew prophet had to humble himself before those people. You get where I'm going? Yeah. There ain't no way in the hell they could have built the place Egypt with seven families. No way possible. Somebody's lying. Either the Abraham started going down there to lie. Or there, is no, or there is no Egypt. Now I know there's an Egypt because I can go to Egypt and see Egypt. I can't go to Abraham and see Abraham. I can't go there. But I can go see Egypt and on the walls of Egypt I'll see you. You with me? In your Bible, your God acknowledges the greatness of Egypt. Because your God sends the greatest of you to Egypt for protection. He sent Jesus there. And said, Jesus, go down there in Egypt and stay there until Herod is dead. He sent the best of the human beings, according to you, Christians, among us, pagans, for Satan. Abraham went down there because the man that was supposed to be sold with milk and honey that his God told him would be an everlasting covenant in that land. The everlasting must have went void, and God must have lost control of the elements because a famine came into a land that was supposed to be an everlasting covenant and a land flowing with milk and honey called the land of Canaan. And it got cut off. Read the Bible. And then their God tells them, go down to the pagans in Egypt, Abraham, because they had. With me, Moses. The father, the literate, or the scholar, or the, the recorder of the record of the law, called the Torah, was born and reared in Egypt, educated until he was 40 years old in Egypt. Their God, who controls all things, put the man who was to write their scripture, not in a Hebrew environment, but in an Egyptian environment. So he can come out of the Egyptian book of the dead and write his poem to God and his people. Why? Because if it's true that Mizraim was the son of North, then Mizraim was also an original Hebrew according to your doctrine, which is wrong, but there was no such thing as Hebrew yet. So when Abraham went to Egypt, he was not going to see a new people. He was going amongst his uncle's people. There was no new religion. The people of Noah forgot the religion. Obviously, Mithraim picked up and migrated and took all of the customs of Israel, before it was called Israel, of the 
when you go to your house tonight, women, and you get ready to go to sleep, and the television is playing or the record player playing, and someone's in the back eating and laughing and joking, and you go in the room, you say, could y'all do me a favor, could y'all quiet down a little bit, because I'm about to go to, and then I go in my room, and my room is full of my stuff. Surrounding me, colorful things, memorable things, I must do what? I must cut off the light to bring that place to a peaceful, blissful, tranquil environment. I must get back into the darkness before I can go to sleep. And maybe I can't sleep with the light on. You have to turn it off. Well, the devil, Belzebub, as some call him, who hadn't. Satan, Hakatan, Satan, Diablo, they got all kind of names for him. Diabolus, wherever all the names they can figure up to call somebody who doesn't cooperate with him. Has been ruling the day in chaos. And now the night is coming for a new sun cycle. You follow that? And everybody knows. If everybody can feel that something is happening in the world, right. all over the world, somebody up there saying, keep the planes out of my sky. If I wanted y'all to fly, I would give y'all wings. <laughs> now, he's so compassionate to serve. He doesn't kill everybody that goes up, but there's not a place on the planet where a plane has gone up where somebody didn't crash. But we so dumb, we bungee up even after the court fire. So people are still flying. Both are thinking. So now, because that's not affecting you, the powers of the ancestors, the ancient ones, are now moving inland and knocking on your door. And houses are floating away. Not houses in ghettos only. Mansions are rolling down the hill. Rich people who thought they had it together. They're watching their house float away. Watching and watching everything that they thought was important in this world, all the mundane, all the material things, float down the road under the power of nature. Because those people that rule are unjust. They are unfair. They don't play fair. And have put most people in a position where there's nothing you can do about it as an individual. You understand? You're caught or locked in a system where you click on a television and they program you with programs. You understand? You got some tape or some samples already stored inside of the tape recorder before you put the disc in. So forces of nature have to step in on the part of those that want to do right. And they'll start making you feel good. Oh, the new age people. What is a new age being? I mean, they're fed up with the old damn age. They're fed up with that crap. They're fed up with trusting our, our politicians. We're trusting our leaders and our preachers. We're fed up with that crap. All we want to hell to do is get along. Half of the white people didn't like what happened to Rodney King. And half of the black people like myself knew, knew old day was guilty. But could we sit down, us and all, have that kind of intelligence and meet? No, because we don't control the media. 
Those who want to control our emotions control the media. And they wanted to make you think that all black people was for OJ killing those people. You follow that? And make us think that all white people was for those handful of cops beating up Rodney King. And not keeping things the way they want. That's business. That's the devil at work. You hear me? But how long? How long? They're just stepping in and kicking ass. They just mopping this place up. Everybody knows they set something. But they come out here and say to us, we hear that your leader teaches that y'all believe that a craft is gonna come out the sky and save y'all. Do y'all? I got I'm crazy for that. Oh, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, it goes, <laughs> and it says, there's only a ship coming out of the sky, and Jesus is in the ship. This ship has doors in it, floors in it, it has doors with people's name, like it's a theater. All the disciples got their private room in this room, in this crystal city, with their name on the door. It says it's coming down out of heaven. A crash. Nobody's running up there. Billy Graham is saying, Billy O'Graham. <laughs> oh, Billy Ram. Or Reverend Price. Ain't that what name was Reacher Reverend Price? <laughs> that alone was like me. I know that I know that was Price. It got something to do with money. But, oh, Reverend Price, do you believe in the Bible? Yes or no? I don't want no philosophy. I don't want no fear, no interpretation. I want to know do you believe? In the Bible, the Word of God, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, do you or don't you believe in the Bible? That's all I want to know. <laughs> you got the Bible up, you beat me with the Bible, I go to jail, you make me put my hand on the Bible on my way out, I get the Bible when I'm dying, you got a guy reading the Bible when my baby's born, you're trying to read about hell. I've been beat up with the Bible so damn much, all I want to know is the all believe it. You've been pushing it down my throat so many years, I forgot to ask you. The other day, they got a certain a court woman driving me truck, and the young boy, I was the neighbor, went crazy and blew up the FBI building. What's his name? Mac Bay, young boy went crazy. You know the funniest thing that bothered me about that man was them to ask, is he crazy? After he killed 160 people, someone said, you think he's crazy? <laughs> Now, <laughs> back to the bunch of psychiatrists, you know, Sigmund Freud, boy, Sigmund Freud, I gathered in a room with degrees. You know what I'm saying? These guys had degrees. They went to school. They had great suits and stuff. You know, they had their cases and hush puppies on. These niggas gathered in a room and said, You think it's crazy? Hell, a man blew up a building, killed women, children, rats, roaches, fowls, babies, everything. You think he might be crazy? You with me? Then they go into the courtroom under the sign in Godwin Trust and human beings, people who say they believe in the Bible, were saying, burn him, burn him. Kill the boy, 27 years old. Kill him. I want him dead. One woman had the audacity to admit her cluelessness, how dumb she was. On national television, everybody listened. You know what she said? 
me until he killed my loved ones. Listen to what that meant. I did not believe in a death penalty until he killed my loved ones. So everybody else's children and babies that were killed by serial killers and crew, it was okay. But the moment the angel of death knocked upon your door, you get a whole new policy on vigilantism. They turned the damn country into Vinny-ass bitch. Say the word for me. Thank you. I had everybody saying, kill the boy, kill the boy. Nobody said, cure the boy, cure the boy. Because if this boy went off because of what happened at Waco, then some other boy is going to go off. And what they're going to do is they're going to study the mistakes he made, do the same thing without the mistakes, because, hell, the boy was dumb. The boy was dumb. He's a nice kid, but he was dumb. He made mistakes. You don't go up FBI building and drive a car that breaks down on the highway unless you kind of dumb. You can't be that right. You blow the FBI doing the Federal Bureau of Investigation and your car breaks down on the highway. You made more money for the bombs than you did the car to get away from. That's like these hip hop with their shoes untied, their pants down, running from the police. How dumb can you be? But because of all of this, because the state, the world is seen. Because there's nothing that no one, no one leader, no one church, no one person can stand up and do to stop it. Everybody said, God help us. Allah help us. Yahweh help us. Adonai help us. Somebody help us. And nature steps in to help. The problem is you looking for nature to be your God. You've been taught through your Bible or your Quran. And that's crap. Nature is stepping in. You know what you find in towns where white folks and black folks hated each other? They got to help each other prepare for the flood coming in. They all passing the sandbags together. When the houses are floating, they're sharing apartments with each other. Shelter, sharing food. If I see a, a white baby floating down the street because I'm black, I'm going to go like this. I'd be the devil. I'd become the devil immediately. If I was supposed to help, and anybody don't help another human being, that is the devil. I don't care what color you call it. You understand me?
Radio.